0: welcome to betting the Bulls, brought to you by saturday football we've got chris Marlar from saturday football and censored we've got sports betting expert bob wankel from sports betting dime and crossing broad sports betting dime and crossing broad are owned by our parent company xl media and we've got myself connor guerra from the saturday down south podcast Dallas, Bull season how are we doing
1: what's going on man good to talk to you i'm happy to be here uh one of my favorite times of the year you know it's it's degenerate season so it, I'm, I'm ready for it this is when i usually come out of my hole so i'm ready to go
2: yeah there's a there's nothing like just stressing wanting like ohio some directional ohio school and then some state school from utah like pushing it over while you're getting like fruitcake from your your nana on december 23rd so i can't wait there, yeah, the feeling of just sitting there sweating out a, a bet, or
0: you know, if you do confidence pools, we're going to be talking about that as well. And thinking to yourself, "Oh my god, this this backup quarterback for Ohio can, can he can he seriously wake up? I I can throw a football better than he can." And the the investment that goes into this bowl season, I realize a lot of people are wondering about all the moving pieces, everything that's going on. But we are going to be covering this from a gambling perspective. And this is this is how this is going to work. We're giving everyone gambling advice, for betting on these bowl games. We're going to be doing a four episode series. This is the first episode. We've got obviously a lot of moving pieces with opt outs. We've got transfers. We've got coaching carousel. A lot of things are going to impact these spreads. So this is all the more reason that you should be dialed into people like us that are providing you insight and also keeping tabs as the games get even closer. So we're going to do. Picks against the spread we're going to talk about or if it's a stay away for you because of some of these opt outs, because of some of the guys that are in the portal, all those things. We're going to have that covered. That's perfectly fine. Sometimes staying away is the best gambling advice. We're going to give you some thoughts on how to approach this game if you're just doing confidence pools, which I've been doing confidence pools for like, I don't know, like 12, 13 years. Absolutely love them during bowl season. Really fun way to be able to do it um a, a, a one for that game by the way if you're doing confidence pools like a one if we say like a one on the confidence pool that means like you have no confidence whatsoever in that game and confidence pools are just straight up we're not talking about spreads or anything like that and then if it's like a 41 in confidence pools that's like I'm betting my house I'm betting my entire life I'm betting everything on this this team to be able to just simply beat that team straight up so we're going to do a prop as well. We're going to be talking about all these different things, how you approach this as you're sitting there during Tuesday afternoons when you're thinking to yourself, my God, I absolutely love bowl season. It is a great time of year. Quick, quick heads up for those who are getting involved in gambling. Maybe it's your first time doing this during bowl season. You must be 21 years old or older to gamble. Please gamble responsibly and within your limits. If you need assistance, please please call one 800 That's 1-800-522-4700. So here's the plan, guys. I know I've done a lot of talking. I'm going to defer to you guys with a lot of this because you guys are the gambling experts. You guys understand this inside and out. Today, we are going to focus on all the Power 5 games that are not part of the New Year 6. There are 22 of those Power 5 games. So we have a ton to get to. That means we're not going to go crazy in depth with any of these. You're not going to hear... Some Tom Rinaldi sob story about this running back who lost two parents in the last week and is playing in this bowl game with his heart. Tune into the broadcast of these actual games if you want that stuff. So we're going to go in order. And we're going to go in order based on when these games are being played. Does that
2: make sense? We got any any questions? We, we should have just made the whole Tom Rinaldi special for each one like a separate show. It would have been really good. I you know what I've cried enough. I uh, this last few months I don't need any more
0: tears. I, we're, we're we're good. I, I think we're good. So let's let's start this thing. L A Bowl, which used to be the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, now the L A Bowl. U C L A is a three and a half point favorite against Boise State. A lot of big absences in this one. Latu Latu, the stud edge for U C L A is not going to be playing. Dante Moore, U C L A quarterback. TBD on Carson Steele, the stud tailback from Ball State for U C L A. Whether or not he's going to play. And we got coaching absences as well. We're going to have an interim coach for Boise State with Andy Avalos gone. UCLA defensive quarter, coordinator DeAnton Lynn is off to USC. Like, we got third string quarterbacks. We got a whole mess. Marler, how would you approach this three and a half point spread? Boise State is a three and a half point underdog.
2: UCLA favorite in this game. How would you approach that spread? One, I'm, I'm so sick of everything changing about what I love about this sport. Like, this used to be the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. And I hate that we're getting away from tradition and we're changing it to the LA Bowl. First off, um, but no, this is actually like it's 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 one of the first games of the year. It's on the very first weekend of bowl games. It's got usually some pretty good matchups or at least like some pretty big names. Last year you had Oregon State and Florida. Uh, this year you have UCLA and, and Boise State. I, I like UCLA a lot in this one. Um, I, the way I would approach it is this: I, I know you're going to have some key people out, but the the most key person, the keyest of keys. Uh, that's going to be out as Boise State's coach. And I think that when you look at UCLA, um, I liked it a lot better at two and a half instead of three and a half. I, I, this might be a situation where I even buy it down a little bit um, for the value of it. But I do think that UCLA, like coming off the, the end of that regular season and then Chip Kelly, pardon the pun, but having a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he was rumored to be out uh, at UCLA and now still has a job. I think they've made a definitive statement of who they want as their QB. It's not Dante Moore. I think they they have more of an identity than Boise State. I think UCLA probably wins this game by more than two and a half points.
1: Yeah, I think one thing to note here is that the line did shift down. UCLA was favored by four at one point. It's moving downward here a little bit. I'll say this. I think that UCLA's defense – probably does enough here for them to win the game. I kind of lean towards the under a little bit as well. I'll throw one little betting note out at you. Uh, Boise State, 6-2-1 and one against the spread this season as a favorite. As an underdog, they were only 1-2-1 and one against the spread, 0-4 oh outright. So you have a short line here. Underdog, they haven't performed well this season. I know that there's a lot of different contextual factors that you look at when you break down these games, but I'll, I'll lean to what I do have in front of me in terms of trends, and I will take – uh, UCLA in this game as well.
0: Bob, that's big of you as a Philly guy
2: to go all in with yeah. Chip Kelly. A lot of uh, from big, Chip uh, over surprised.
1: in this region, I'll tell you that much.
2: Yeah. And and- first play with Vic and, and Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, I thought it was, it was three like Balls coming right at us, uh, but
1: uh, not to be.
0: Yeah, uh, remember, bet with your head, not your heart. Uh, very, very important reminder. Uh, I would I would assume that confidence pool-wise, this one is going to be really difficult to put a whole lot of chips on with how small that spread is. Marlar, is this more of like a single-digit type confidence pool game, especially knowing it seems like UCLA has played in so many of these close, low-scoring games, Ooh. which is atypical for a Chip Kelly team?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say it's probably somewhere middle of the pack. Like, I don't have a ton of confidence. Like, there's when you look at just the two names, especially with like I think when you look at UCLA, they lost through their last four, but they beat USC in a a pretty big game. I just like the way they've played against against non-power five teams this year. So I I I would lean towards it being in the middle, maybe a little bit above like the the middle of the pack in in my confidence picks. But I, you know, it is. There's a reason why it's, it's being played on the first weekend of the bowl season.
0: Bob, would you say this is the one you most medium suspect, or is it a little bit of a of a Yeah, I probably go on the
2: lower side
1: here. I, I think that this has a little bit of a toss up vibe. I do think that a lot of times when you get these power five schools, um, you know, bigger programs that have a little bit more notoriety and they're short favorites in games, it gives me a little bit of pause. Uh, oftentimes, uh, so you know, I, I like UCLA in this game, but I, I think it's kind of a middle of the road deal for me.
0: Bob or Marlar, a prop that you like that you have looked at for this one, or is this a stay away? Total.
2: Probably going to be a stay away for me.
0: Okay. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. All right. Let's move on. We got a lot to get to. Independence Bowl, Cal, and Texas Tech. Texas Tech's a two and a half point favorite. Tech is really banged up on D. They went through a late season quarterback change. Tyler Shuck, who's got like a billion years of eligibility somehow, is going to be transferring. So they're going to be going through a a, a bit of a change. They've been going through a bit of a change on the offensive side of the ball. They've been pretty gutted by the portal as well, especially at the pass catcher spots. The good news for Tech is that stud running back, Taj Brooks, is coming back, so he will be playing in this one. Cal should have a new starting quarterback. Another one of these tons of moving pieces, lots of guys in the portal, tough to project from an offensive standpoint, very minimal spread. Marler, what are your thoughts on Texas Tech being a a two-and-a-half-point favorite?
2: This is—it's probably about right. I think that you know the, the key for them is they're getting the running back back for this game, which I think is probably huge for them. Um, this is a team that's like—it's it, looked really good at times uh, early in the season, right? You know, they—they were—they were the one point of Oregon really late in that game, and I think a late touchdown kind of uh, skewed the, uh, the 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 margin of victory there at the, at the end. But that was week two, and now you look at some of the spots they've been in late, especially some of the spots that they were expected to be better in and that texas texas tech game is what i'm, I'm mainly talking about where you lose by 50 on the, the farewell tour for the longhorns there i there's just nothing about cal that i enjoy watching there's just nothing about this team that I, jay Jaden not going to be playing it's like i there's there's nothing about this team that tells me like th- that they're going to be able to stay with anyone really i think for 60 minutes let alone i think like a, a team like texas tech i i like the two and a half but again i mean like they're, it, 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 i'm kind of surprised the spread is that low Bob, what is what are your thoughts on on
0: is there any interest in Cal's and underdogs? Yeah, a little bit.
1: I, I think where you kind of lean into Cal's, you look at the line and you say like this does feel a little bit short. So I think that that kind of throws up a, a signal of hey, maybe I look into this a little bit. And you'll hear me talk about this a lot. Like it's hard to pick these games. We have all these moving pieces. Y- you talk about motivation coming into these games, and I, that's the angle I'm going to lean into here a little bit. So Cal gets themselves bowl eligible. They beat Washington State, Stanford, you know, they beat who cares. But then they they just destroy UCLA to get to 6-6, six and six, to get into this game. Meanwhile, you got Tech, who gets their doors blown off by 50 points. Like, how up for this game are they going to be? So when you look at it from a motivational standpoint, yeah. I kind of would take Cal in this spot to pull the upset, because I just don't know if Tech is going to be even remotely interested in this game.
2: Yeah. I, I got to say, I might just be skewed from watching this team play them in week two, that Auburn Cal game, which is one of the worst games of football ever watched. But those are that's all really good points, Bob.
0: Eugene Asante lived in that Cal backfield, especially after Jade not. Hey, and so Bowen,
1: much of this, and like, game, I'll say this because I, I think it needs to be said now because I'll probably go back to similar concepts as we talk through these games. There's like a hold your nose element to it. I mean, sometimes I think the more you watch, yeah. The the more jaded you become, like you, if you watch Cal play, there's nothing impressive about the product. But then you just look at the odds, you look at some of the contextual factors, yeah. and you just say, "All right, it makes no sense," but I almost have to roll that way. And that's sort of the way I kind of go into this game.
2: Cool. I think and if Jaden Ott was playing that, that I think maybe I'm just projecting a little bit. I'll have to ask my therapist later if that's what's going on here, but it could definitely be because Jaden Ott is one of I think the most underrated backs in the country. And him not playing in this game kind of sucks for the viewer in general. It does. Um,
0: and, and maybe it just isn't that line is because of Tosh Brooks being able to play and uh, it could be one of those low-scoring games where we really don't know what we're going to see from an offensive standpoint from Tech. But I, I would assume that because of all those points we just talked about, this would be really, really low on the confidence pool. Is there any, any sort of prop or any sort of over-under that you guys have looked at with this game that stands out?
1: No, for me, it's 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 just probably Cal money line, and and that's it. I wouldn't even worry about the points. If you're going to take them, just take them to win the game
2: outright. Get a little bit of a bump on the payout. I I do like Taj uh, Taj Brooks over um, one and a half rushing touchdowns because the juice on it, it is plus one fifty five. So there's a little value there. I think that he's going to be the offense if there is uh, any offense uh, for Texas Tech. I think that would be where it, where it starts and stops. So him over plus one and a half rushing touchdowns, uh, I think would be would be a decent bet. Let's go to the Boca Raton Bowl. Some
0: people say Boca Raton; it's Boca Raton. People just need to know that. South Florida, led by a certain Alex Golish, big fan of Portillo's. I'm a big fan of Alex Golish for being a big fan of Portillo's. Syracuse is a three-point favorite in this one. Dino Babers is gone at Syracuse. Uh, USF is playing in its first bowl game in five years. The job that Alex Golish has done. I know a lot of people have brought up USF as this punchline for Bama. I'm not bringing it up as a punchline for Mama just to just to troll Marler. I could. I'm not doing that today. But if I were, I would say that my God, that offense looked absolutely horrendous. They've been able to figure some things out since that debacle um, in, in Tampa. We are expecting to have a fully healthy Garrett Schrader playing for Syracuse. No idea how that guy still has eligibility. Last I checked, he was you know a Joe Moorhead recruit playing at Mississippi State, doing the helicopter thing. So that was news to me to be able to see that he's actually going to still be playing in this game. But Syracuse being a three-point favorite feels like one of those where the odds makers are like, eh, we really don't know. We're just going to give the edge to the Power 5 team in this spot with a South Florida team that a lot of people feel like has has played kind of – is kind of punched above their weight class. Um, Marler, any thoughts on – potentially going south florida money line or is that just you can't go again Uh, okay i saw a nod and i knew i was going to get that because of the bama game Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of thoughts
2: a lot of thoughts (laughs) on it i i I tell you what i just think that like i'll i'll say i'm being biased despite this hat it's just a good fitting hat okay i like the colors i am a, am a diehard bama guy um there's there's ways to look at that bama south florida game and and you could be the pessimist and say wow bama really isn't that good they Barely beat South Florida. They were up ten to three late in the fourth. Needed a, a like, like a garbage time touchdown to make it seventeen to three. Or you could choose to be an optimist like me and say, well, Alabama played a, a lacrosse player at quarterback uh, in Tyler Buckner, and they still beat a bowl eligible team by double digits on the road. I th- listen. All jokes aside, I do think that this this program is headed in the right dile- the right direction. I really really like um, their head coach. Obviously, in year one, I mean, th- this has been. A joke of a program for the last two or three years before he got there, and to get them the bowl eligibility right away, I think is really, really impressive. And it, like, if it weren't for like social media making jokes constantly about them losing a close one against Bama, um, I think more people would be paying attention, to be honest. But I, I, I think Syracuse is awful. Like they, they have been very difficult to watch. Garrett Trader's is a lot of fun to watch, has been for all eleven years he's been in college. Um, but I do think that like this program has been in every game. I feel like they were supposed to be competitive, and they have not been um they have been very very frustrating the fact that they're a three-point favorite i think is this sounds weird but strictly because of their brand name uh, over south florida um i like south florida to win outright and i tell you what the, the the reason why probably starts in soft with some of the guys they have on offense naquan wright sec fans remember him from florida that kid is still a bruiser absolutely trucked caleb downs in that bama game still runs really hard i think he's gonna have a field day against syracuse
1: I'll say something nice about about Syracuse. I I like their hire. I like Fran Brown. He's a South Jersey guy. That's where I live. So uh, you have to support the area guys here. But that's about all I can really say. I I too like uh, South Florida in this game. I do think that the location of the game is helpful to them in this case. Uh, I think that that's something that needs to be highlighted here. Syracuse is 2-6 and against the spread in its last eight games. Not terribly impressed with them in general. And I do look at that Alabama game and say, hey, you know what? they're not going to be, they're, they're certainly not going to come into this game intimidated by the Power 5 concept. I mean, I, you can throw that out the window. And I think that when you have a situation like this with the Syracuse team that carries a name brand and is a small favorite, I think a lot of times the odds makers are just kind of hoping that they, they were going to rope you in on the, on the more popular brand here uh, in a one-off game. And so for, for all of those reasons, and, and certainly not the X's and O's and the football reasons that you're speaking to, uh, I would also go South Florida as well.
0: Yeah, it feels like so far from a confidence pool standpoint, we're we're all really, really low. And I think there's mm-hmm. something to be said for putting a lot of those early games really low and, and for saving a lot of your confidence pool points for some of the back end. And if if you guys feel strongly about, about that, you want to sneak one in there with one of those minimal spreads where you think you have a really good read on it better than the odds makers, I mean, feel free to speak up. But I, I think there's something to be said for 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 doing that is is there a prop that that stands out for either one of you guys because I I don't know like I I find it very difficult to sit here and pretend like I have a good read on what to expect from either one of these teams when Syracuse is is just been kind of a a disaster down the stretch and Dino Babers was dead man walking for so long
2: yeah I don't I don't think you'd be the only one because right now in DraftKings there are zero prop that's even available so about it, yeah. And I think I think Vegas might be also a little bit confused. On this I'll give well. you
1: one angle here. I mean, I don't think that South Florida runs away with this game. So if you want to try to enhance the payout, uh, you know, you can go and bracket the scores so of South Florida one to 13 point margin of victory plus 240 payout. Uh, and that's probably the way that I would go, because while I do see South Florida winning the game, I, I don't think they're going to run away 17, 20 plus point win here.
0: Like that, like that. Gasparilla Bowl, Georgia Tech, UCF. UCF's a four and a half point favorite in this one. Could be a couple of depleted secondaries with injuries, portal moves. I think that's great news because I love the quarterback matchup that it looks like we're going to get in this one with John Rice, Plumlee and Haynes King. It's the battle Mm -hmm. of former SEC quarterbacks that I am just obsessed with watching whenever I get the chance. I wish those guys could have played in different eras. Gus Malzahn, three and six in bowl games. Not A lot of people talk about that. Something to keep in mind. The over-under for this one guys is 64 and a half for the games that we are talking about just today. That is tied for the single highest total. And we're going to also talk about Kansas UNLV in the guaranteed rate bowl. That's the other one. That's at sixty-four and a half 64 and a half or an over-under uh, UCF at minus four and a half. Marlar, How do you feel about that?
2: First off, as somebody that was born and raised in Atlanta has always had a, a place for Georgia Tech in my heart. Love the fact that Brent Key has come in and turned this program around year one. Um, I think we all wanted Jeff Collins to succeed. Big, big Waffle House guy like all of us. Um, but but Brent Key has been awesome in year one. And to get this team to a bowl this early and and, and to do it the way that like you're going to have to start doing it now, I think in this day and it's football, getting into the portal. Haynes King has been awesome. I, I think that like you said, this is one of the best quarterback matchups you're going to see in all of bowl season, regardless of, 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 uh, you know, when it's being played or what teams are involved um, four and a half seems about right. I think where we we'd want to have the line at, I love the over. I love the first half over as well. I believe it's sitting around like 28 and a half. Both these teams score a lot of points, a lot of points early. They also give up a lot of points early, especially Georgia tech. So I like Georgia tech to uh, I, I'm sorry. I like the over the most, um, that Gus Malzahn online see that, that that is something people don't, don't talk enough about uh, why they've been so bad in bowl games i don't know I mean like i think that if you're if you're UCF you're kind of sitting in this place where you you constantly want to to be like sitting at the big boy table and i don't i don't think playing in the gas bowls is, is something that's going to get them super fired up but it's also not that far from home for them
0: true it's a good point i wonder how much the close losses for UCF against Oklahoma and then Georgia Tech against Georgia in that regular season finale, how much that plays a part and how people will approach this. It, it probably will for those who haven't been super dialed into these teams. Bob, uh, would you take a power five? Oh, I guess I, I misspoke. UCF fans were going to be in my mentions if I if I let that one slide. Both of these teams are power five teams. UCF is, of course, in the Big 12. Did not mean to, to necessarily slight the Knights on that one. Would you go Georgia Tech plus four and a half with how electric If I
1: had to, uh, I probably would. Uh, I don't have to, and so I'm not. Uh, I'm going to stay away from the side (laughs) on this. I kind of look at this game as a quarterback showcase game, two teams that play with some tempo. I think that they're going to air it out. I think they're going to be aggressive. I think there's going to be a lot of scoring early, and I think it will continue through the game. And one note from just the, the way that the odds have shifted here, this actually opened at 61 uh, the over under and it has quickly jumped up over 64 to 64 and a half at ESPN bet. And I will I will say, though, we are kind of working off of the ESPN bet app here. There are some other uh, books that that do have a little bit of a lower total. So if you're uh, going to do what I'm about to suggest, look around. It's always good to shop. It's OK. We're allowed to say that. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I would go over in this game. I, I expect to see some tempo here. Georgia tech, like I, I just get a little bit nervous. Like I know that they were very competitive against Georgia. You say like, man, maybe they can really, you show some of that muscle here, but then you look in and you go back to like the Boston college game and you're like, they, they got, they got smoked. They lose by 15 points to a, a pretty bad BC team, in my opinion. And we'll talk about them in a little bit. Um, so I, I want nothing to do with the side. I'll just go with the points here, kind of look at the trend and the way that the line has moved and,
2: and go over.
0: Barler, uh, any any prop that stands out for you?
2: No, I think if you have um, either one of those quarterbacks. and See, the thing about Plumlee is that he can hurt you with his legs and his, and his arm. Um, I, I, so I don't think that you're going to see – like the the, the prop bet there, like I don't I don't know what it would be. Like if there's a total touchdown over two and a half, then I would take his total but like, like passing and rushing in a in a heartbeat. Um also I'll say that with Georgia Tech, I like like what you were saying, Bob, like the Boston College game. They also got smoked by uh Bowling Green early on at home after having like a 14-0 lead, they ended up losing by double digits. But look what they did against UNC. That's where I would I would really like hone in on because that's a program I think that like they were supposed to lose that game. They've beaten a ranked UNC team for three years in a row now. Um and they just kept coming, kept coming. I, I think the over makes a lot of sense for me because you're also going to see two head coaches that are going to have fun in this bowl game and pull out all the stops and have all the trick plays and, and a lot of fun with this.
0: Georgia Tech could be an interesting live bet team as well. We remember how that Miami game played out, Haynes King connecting with Christian Leary. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Orlando natives, uh, Christian Leary, and was was former Bama receiver as well. And that's a team that just kind of nev- has never-say-die attitude, even that game against Georgia. They just kind of keep coming. They're very, very pesky, and obviously they can light up the scoreboard. So if they fall behind by, like, two touchdowns, that'd be a really interesting live-bet type team for a team that should just be going out there and enjoying the experience and having fun after they've kind of been kicked in the teeth. So one to keep yeah. an eye on uh, with that as well. Um, Okay, Birmingham Bowl. We've got Troy as a a 7.5-point favorite against Duke. Mm -hmm. Both coaches gone. (laughs) Both coaches gone in this one. Mike Elko is off to Texas A&M. John Sumrall is off to Tulane. Gus – no, not Gus. That was last game. Greg Gasparato is Troy's interim coach, of course. Who could forget great Greg? Duke had six players hit the portal. We already know that Riley Leonard is off to Notre Dame. Could have a couple of senior opt-outs as well, so something to monitor. That's probably why Troy is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Marler, you always talk about that hook, the, the hook with a seven-and-a-half-point line. If it's seven, it's a little bit different. But does seven-and-a-half make you think differently, or would you still go with the favorite in this one?
2: It, it does. The whole point of this show, it's called betting the bulls. I want to talk to the audience for a second, and just I want you to like lean in and listen very closely. Do not bet on this game. Don't touch this game. <laughs> Don't don't open your wallet. Don't open your app and your phone. Don't reach out to your bookie. Don't touch this game at all. Like this, I don't know which like who's going to even be showing up for either of these teams. There are so many key people that are out on both sides. I mean, like it's it's the Birmingham Bowl, which is like usually you know. Congrats to Auburn for not having to go ride their bikes down to that stadium and play that game for the third year in a row. But I will say that like, I just don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't bet on it. It's there's there's also like seven other games this day. It should be a tremendous matchup, I guess, for the players involved. But that's that's all I can say. Don't do it, Bob. Would you? touch yeah, it I mean, come on. You gotta
1: you gotta, gotta bet them all, right? Like wow. you gotta get you gotta get your hands on a little bit of everything. This this is a Stop game that only on. a a gambler and maybe not even a gambler, just somebody that really is is bored. This is like that kind of game. Like it's on TV. Why not? That that's what this is. No, I actually. I do agree with you. This is a game I, I probably wouldn't want any part of. I, I will give you just an alternative suggestion to it here. You talk about Riley Leonard going. The, two of their best defensive linemen, Duke's defensive linemen, are out, uh, they're out of here. You have the staff transition, not just Elko, but a lot of the staff is going with them. I think that the line is telling, okay? And so anytime you have a team, and I'm not going to sit here and act like Duke is some powerhouse, but they did have some national exposure this year. And so when you look at that and the fact that it is 7.5, I think that that is indicative of what's going to play out in this game. So let me give you this instead. Maybe take Troy as as part of a parlay that you want to build out, maybe even cross sport. You want to get into something Christmas weekend with the NFL. Maybe you just build them in as a, as a part of a money line parlay. I think Troy probably wins the game. Do you want to mess around with seven and a half? I don't. So, to your point, yeah, I want no part of this, but I do think that Troy's going to win the game.
2: Dude, imagine if I told either of you after week one, when Duke beat Clemson, that Duke was going to end up being a seven and a half point underdog to Troy in the Birmingham Bowl. To credit to John Sumrall, uh, one of the most
0: underrated coaches in mm. the country. I, I thought that was just a, a, a fantastic hire for Tulane. Somebody that, if Mark Stoops has gone to Texas A&M, John Sumrall could have been the coach at Kentucky. Yeah. And so the, the culture that he has built at Troy, definitely not a team to sleep on. The odds maker is certainly giving them a lot of respect. But for the reasons that you mentioned, it's tough to feel super great about that one in a confidence pool. And feeling like oh I'm gonna put 30 on Troy or something like that, despite the fact that it is one of those spreads that's kind of outside of that three three and a half point range. Is is there a, is there a prop that you would look at a live bet perhaps of you know teams where we we look all the time we talk about it so much the team that's interested versus the team that's not. If Duke with all these you know all, the, all these changes if they show up just totally flat would you hammer? troy to cover a live bet or or something like that is there a play that kind of stands out
1: i I would give you this (laughs) angle if it becomes obvious very early like if if duke has nothing out of the gate i do think that there's a chance that this gets away from them like i I don't see duke getting out slow and then kind of gaining their footing and recovering so i think that this is one that early on you'll probably see how it plays out and you can maybe ride that if you see some value live
0: Like that, like that. All right, a fitting bowl for the show that we are doing, the Las Vegas Bowl. Utah, seven-point favorite against Northwestern. The good news for Utah is that they're not going to have to worry about Cam Rising getting hurt in a bowl game again. Um, Poor Cam Rising, man. Utah will instead have known pig farmer Bryson Barnes as their starter in this one. Northwestern having a winning record in Big Ten play and finishing second in the Big Ten West. I know we make our jokes about the Big Ten West, but finishing second in any division with what we were saying about Northwestern coming into this year with the whole Pat Fitzgerald-Hazing scandal, like that is the most improbable thing that happened in the sport this year. David Braun deserves a ton of credit. That's why he got the head coaching job. So he is going to be coaching in this game. Kyle Whittingham hasn't won a bowl game since 2017. And that's like the one kind of like knock against him is that he has some of these late season losses that you're just kind of like ah, you're you're a really good coach it's kind of surprising i i made utep covering like plus one and a half against northwestern in week two my lock of the week and then northwestern just shoved me in a locker and yes that was a northwestern hazing joke um but yeah that line feels disrespectful to the cats after what they've endured this year marler do you like northwestern to cover plus seven
2: I do. I do. This is a gross game for me. This is, I mean, cause like usually you sit here and talk about how Utah is constantly flying under the radar and like, there's not a lot of knocks on, on Kyle Whittingham. That is one of them. Right. And we don't even, we don't even associate that with him because of the way he's lost those games. Like you lose in the Rose Bowl back to back years and you put up like 40 something points against, you know, uh, Ohio state two years ago. And, and like Utah, one thing I feel like I, I can always say about Utah is that no matter the situation, I feel like they're going to show up. I don't know if that's the case here. Like you have, Really had a season where you 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 like none of your expectations like have been met, right? I think, and then if you look at Northwestern, I think this is one of the better stories in the entire country that we just haven't talked about at all. We like we just no one has talked about it, and and you want to talk about a difficult job? When was the Pat uh, Fitzgerald hazing thing? When did that happen in the summer? Right?
0: That was that was like smack dab like like the 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 dead period of summer. I want to say early July, like right on Fourth of July weekend, was when all that came out. Right.
2: And now now you have two months to prepare for the season, and now this team's bowl eligible. And like in and a northwestern team that has like, you know, constantly flown on the radar for one, but then also like like I don't think with Fitzgerald, I think their 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 total wins before the season from Vegas was like four and a half. So um a tremendous, tremendous job there uh from this season with that staff. I I like them to cover seven. I'm sure I'll regret it. You know, you want to say partially because Utah is a third string quarterback, but I don't think it really matters. I am most happy that I don't have to hear about do You think Cam Rising's coming back for this game? Because that was was the worst storyline all year. Yeah. Bob, is this
0: a Northwestern vibes game for you as well? Or will Utah show up? It absolutely is a
2: Northwestern vibes
1: game for me. They're eight and four against the spread this year. And actually, you talked about their their preseason uh, win total. When the Fitzgerald news first broke and he was dismissed, uh, a lot of uh, books offered this at three and a half so over under three and a half wins right so they've been able to sort of play with that disrespect card all season and they've played it very well now they're in a position where again i think that this line is a little bit high i actually find this line to be a little bit disrespectful and i think that this plays right into northwestern's hands i think situationally it's a good spot you talk about motivation utah rose bowl rose bowl the last two years now you're coming to las vegas bowl no no offense to this this wonderful bowl game but I just think that this is a little bit of a different atmosphere. I don't know if the the program as a a whole will be up for it. And so I think you start playing all of those angles and it makes a lot of sense. And one other note is that this game did open at seven and a half down to six and a half at a lot of operators right now. Uh, Seven at some as well. But um, it's starting to kind of move towards Northwestern. And I think that that's smart.
0: An interesting play, too, if you do like Northwestern in this one, this might be a good spot in a confidence pool to to try and get one over on the person Mm -hmm. that's just rapidly doing this at the last minute. They're like, oh, I see Utah's a seven-point favorite. I'll put 20 on them. This might be a nice spot where you sneak in like a Northwestern Mm -hmm. 11 or something like that if you are high on on the Cats. Is there a prop that stands out? Are we talking about motivation for, for Utah? If Utah doesn't show up and it looks like, Man, Northwestern's just fired up. This is their Super Bowl. They haven't been to a bowl game in forever. Is that is is this more of a live play for you, or is there something that you like going into this one for either one of you?
2: I I so you can't get this on a lot of books, but there's there's some that you can if you look hard enough. I got over under one suspension for Utah. You take a bunch of kids from Utah to Vegas and think they're gonna sit here and just and just enjoy themselves casually. I don't think so. Somebody's getting lost in the desert. Somebody's going to have way too much fun and be out way too late. I, that's that's the, the prop that I would make.
1: I, I expect the game to be okay. on on the closer side. Uh, one note here about Utah's defense, they held their opponents at 21 points or few in, fewer in 8 of 12 games. I, I don't know that Northwestern has okay. a, a ton of offensive firepower here in this game. Uh, I expect it to be close, so I would say it probably stays under 40, 41 and a half as well
0: fun fact about utah and maybe a lot of these kids have experienced this if you're not flying into salt lake city which i realize that's where utah's campuses you fly into vegas so a lot of these kids man maybe you know what they, they they've stood around they, they've hung out a little bit and th- this will be uh just a, a return to, to a second home for some of them at least okay the quick lane bowl Bowling Green, Minnesota, of course it is. Minnesota is a three-and-a-half-point favorite for this beautiful beast of a bowl game. Third-string quarterback in for Minnesota, not that it matters a whole lot. I'm still kind of half-expecting 36-year-old Tanner Morgan to show up out there for PJ Flex team. Never bet against a 5-and-7 team in a bowl game who got in because of APR, especially when they're showing up for a Tuesday bowl game at 1 o'clock with a third-string quarterback. That's what I always say. (laughs) That's a trademark pending on that one. Uh, also a revenge game for Bowling Green because they lost in this game last year to Auburn Destroyers New Mexico State, coached by Jerry Kill, former Minnesota coach. And just a little reminder, because this is a two, this is a 1 o'clock game on a Tuesday, the Degenerates Bowl it could be called very easily. Again, you must be 21 years old or to gamble. Please gamble responsibly within your limits. If you need assistance, please call 1-800-522-4700. Marler, I know you're betting on this game. Just which which side do you like? With Minnesota being a three and a half point favorite.
2: Okay, so first off, it's not degenerates; it's called dedication. I want to be very <laughs> clear about that. Um, I I would, and I would, I would take Bowling Green in a heartbeat. Like like with with only a couple of things and like little tidbits of knowledge in my back pocket, there. They're, Bowling Green is a four point underdog to Minnesota, and think about the expectations we had for Minnesota through, with with you know, with PJ Fleck as the head coach and where they've been like in the last, you know, four or five years, this was a team. They had a dramatic win against Nebraska to start the year. They've got some playmakers. I mean, they've got, they've got, I can't think of his name right now. I probably should have Googled it beforehand, but that receiver is one of the, like, he's made some of the most outstanding catches on the year um, and did so against Nebraska. They, they're seemingly in, in every game, I feel like for a significant amount of time, but they have just fallen apart. And also, side note: If you would have told me that Minnesota and Bowling Green play in this bowl game every single year, like contractually, I would have been like, "Yeah, that, that tracks." Um, but no, Bowling Green picked off JJ McCarthy three times. Okay, they beat Georgia Tech by double digits on the road. Those are those are a few of their, their performances against Power Five teams. I like Bowling Green to win. I, there's no reason to, to say that, but they did win five of their last six, and I think uh, six of the last eight um, in, in the MAC—a pretty competitive MAC. Uh, I'll take Bowling Green
0: outright. Bob, do you like Bowling Green money line and their home? Yeah, away we're home uh, we're
1: kind of a – this is a little strange. We didn't do a lot of pre-production stuff here, and we are kind of just leaning the same way on a lot of these picks. Like, I kind of go back to the the motivation part of this one. And, I mean, you look at Minnesota, the last four games of the season, lost to Illinois, uh, like a, a devastating loss to Illinois, lost to Purdue, get blown out by Ohio State, lose to Wisconsin. They haven't won a game since before Halloween. Their last win is on October 28th. Now they're going to come to a, a, a stadium that's going to be a quarter filled in the middle of the afternoon, and and get up for Bowling Green. Like I just don't see it. Uh, Minnesota is also dreadful against the spread; one of the worst teams in the country, three and nine against the number this season. Uh, Bowling Green, conversely, excellent against the spread, eight and four. Uh, I'll take Bowling Green. I don't know that I need to go outright and be a hero, but certainly with getting the four <laughs> three and a half four whatever you're seeing out there right now I'll, I'll take the take the points
0: I, a lot of tight camera shots and Little Caesars commercials <laughs> guaranteed for this game no
2: doubt I just imagine if you were sitting there on Minnesota's team and, and you you finish your season like you said you lost four games in a row you lost to Wisconsin Ohio State you got boat raced by Purdue you lost to Illinois and they're like, "Listen, you're not bowl eligible." And then you find out you are bowl eligible because of your test scores. And then you realize, "Hey, but your bowl is going to be in Detroit." Like that, your reward is to go to Detroit. Gross. That's awful.
0: I, I will not bash the great city of Detroit. I will. Um, yeah, I, I just can't do it after what those those Lions fans have endured uh, each and every Thanksgiving. Just, just not right. Just not right. Um, any confidence pool or, or prop related thoughts in this one? I would probably have this pretty low from from a confidence pool. Uh, standpoint. But if you see PJ Fleck flying around uh, on on the sideline, maybe that's a live bet for Minnesota. But other than that, it's kind of hard to get a feel on, on which team is going to show up looking like this is truly their Super Bowl. I
2: I do like Connor Basilak over one and a half touchdowns. If that's, if that's an option that they're going to, the book is going to give Connor Basilak, former SEC quarterback at Mizzou, um, you know, hasn't put up a ton of production this year, but I mean, you've seen Minnesota and spots give up a ton of points to teams um you know so i i think that there's going to be points to be had for for bowling green and and i think he'll he'll be able to do that
0: connor Baselack spells his name correctly too we love that two ends in an a no that's how you spell connor um bob any anything now, that stands this is out for just you
1: just a uh i have to make a play we're talking about it the, this, the context makes sense that's it
0: this this is the surprising one that everybody at your office says what do you mean there's college football on it, it it's yeah. 1:30 on a tuesday jerry what are what are we doing here uh you might have a problem uh guaranteed rate bowl unlv in kansas we teased it earlier huge this is the biggest this is the biggest spread that we've talked about kansas 12 and a half point favorites no oc for kansas andy uh nikki i i totally just butchered his last name that's one that i should it's know his parents though i mean yeah it's true coddle nikki lance leipold's right hand man. u-dub uh whitewater uh, let's let's be honest. The only OC that can actually succeed at Penn State is Joe Moorhead. Um, no Jalen Daniels in this football game, who was electric last year in the Liberty Bowl with KJ Jefferson. That means mm-hmm. Jason Bean at quarterback could be without a couple of starting offensive line, too. But how about Barry Odom? Nine and four year one at UNLV after losing Bobby Petrino to AM when it looked like he was gonna come run his offense. He doesn't care. They have lost two in a row to end the regular season, but still. Uh, very interesting that that line is so significant. This might just be a faith in Lance Leipold type game. Marler, does the twelve
2: and a half scare you off from betting Kansas? Yeah, uh, I mean, UNLV is is eight and five against the spread this year. They're six and zero away from home. Uh, I'm sorry, they're ten and three, 10 and three against the spread this year, uh, and an eight or sorry, six and zero against the spread away from home. They're, I mean, they're pretty fundamentally sound football team like Kansas is I, I don't know what I like every time I expect them to be out of a game they're in it every time I expect them to be in a game they're doing something stupid and, and they're out of it I mean like I don't think the Jalen Daniels thing is as big of a deal as as we probably would have thought earlier in the year because they've they played a lot they played without him a lot it seems like over the past uh two seasons but especially this year um I think that I mean listen Barry Odom has gone into UNLV and he's gotten a bunch of kids who go to college in Vegas and somehow got them to focus for a full four months. It's insane to me. Um, I think this is the perfect spot for him to, you know, like chip on your shoulder. You know, I, I, li- I like them plus 12 and a half. I'm surprised that if you would have told me that out of all the matchups, this is one of the better matchups, I think, in, in this, this set of bowls. Um, I would be surprised that this was the, the one with the largest spread. Bob, are you going
0: with the fighting Guy Fietti's famous UNLV graduate? Guy Fietti um, are you are you liking the, the plus 12 and yeah, a half for UNLV I don't as well? Love
1: the you know either side of this game. So for me, this is sort of a more of a no-play on in terms of the side. I lean over. Uh, I know it's a high number. You're sitting 64, 64 and a half at a lot of sports books right now. I I don't know what we're going to get in Kansas's offense, which is part of the reason why it's more of a no-play for me. Mm-hmm. But I do know that we're getting a struggling UNLV defense. So you look at Boise. In the Mountain West Championship game, they put up a 44 spot. San Jose State put up 37 the week before that. I think that the number here is sort of telling what type of game this is going to be. I think we're going to see a lot of scoring. So my play would be on the over here. Um, if if I had to, I probably would would lean by you know, taking the points, but I'm going to just stick with the over.
0: If there are people that are also liking UNLV for this one, an interesting confidence pool play you're probably going to be in a confidence pool everybody's got a ton on kansas and they're at least in the 30s and even if you're just not as high that's not necessarily oh i need to pick UNLV because you could lose a ton of points by doing that and you would regret that but maybe just a little bit lower on kansas maybe just a little bit lower if you're just like ah you know what and then it doesn't gut you to have like oh my god i didn't get these 35 points i only missed out on 20 or 21 or, or, or something like that is there a prop other than the over for a 64 and a half uh a 64 and a half over under in this one that, that can't that kind of stands out. marlar I know you like to take a lot of the first half a lot of the first half spreads okay see I led you right into it. I knew exactly right where it. you were going first half uh first half spread or just first half over under
2: first half total first half total and you can if you can get the first half team total for Kansas I like that too uh it should probably be hovering right around 16 and a half I would think um, UNLV is ranked 20th in the country in first half points per games. Uh, Kansas is ranked 30th, um, right around, I think 16 to 17 each. Uh, I'm looking at it right now in Kansas is, they average 16 and a half points per game in the first half. So it's right. Like I said, right about where that line will be. UNLV, however, uh, ranked 89th in the country in first half scoring defense, giving up over two touchdowns a game in the first half of games, gave up 31 in the first half in their last game out. Um, so I, I do like that. And a lot of times in these bowl games, people are going to, you know, you like, you're not going to see as many slow starts. I feel like with, with teams like this that, that want to have like a you know like make a big bang early. Um, I I think it'll be the first half over, especially if you can get it under 30. I like the first half over. Steaky good bowl game. Bob, are you lining
0: up props for this one? A game that should be pretty enjoyable, I think. To the yeah, I, I, I
1: think that everything that I do here is going to be just based on offense. Points, overs. So I think that there's going to be a fast start in this game. Easy to say if I'm telling you go over 64 and a half. Uh, I I think it's just going to be a thing that I'll probably take some shots along the way here. You you got a later start Tuesday. Let's play it by quarter. Let's jump in and and play it at half and then reassess at halftime and maybe jump back in. So I think I'm probably going to go over in first half as well here.
0: Military Bowl. I don't know how we don't have a service academy in this game. That feels a little bit weird, but we do have Virginia Tech as a a 7.5-point favorite against Tulane. Obviously, no Willie Fritz in this one. He is off to Houston. He finally got that Power 5 job that everybody's been assuming he was going to get forever. He's basically taking his whole staff with him, but they're all coaching in the bowl game. So one of those, one foot in the door, one foot out the door. You always wondered, staff with time divided, how that works out. We play the results with that. Kind of fair to wonder about the motivation for Tulane, I think, after you lose the AAC Conference Championship to SMU. You miss out on repeating to get to another New Year's Six Bowl after you beat Caleb Williams last year. Your coach is gone. TBD on Caleb Williams' killer, Michael Pratt playing in this one. Rumors about potential transfer portal stuff. TBD on that. Top Tulane receiver Chris Brazel is in the, in the transfer portal as well. That is all why 6-6 six and six Virginia Tech is a touchdown favorite. I guess 7.5-point favorite. Are you going with the power five team or are you thinking that Tulane is going to be able to bounce back and cover plus seven and a half Marler?
2: I mean, it's so weird to look at this because you, you, it seems so simple, like right off the bat, like why, why is a team that beat USC in a new year's six bowl last year over a seven point underdog to Virginia tech? Cause Virginia tech sucks. They, they've been awful to watch <laughs> over the past couple years. I mean, they do, they just, they, they, they play a very boring brand of football. Um, But like, you know, which is kind of odd because it's like, you know, well, how's a a G5 school uh, you would assume be favored over this team, but they're a touchdown underdog. I would say yes, surface level. I I think without getting too into the weeds on this one, I I would think Tulane could cover. But there are a lot of moving pieces out the door, like you said. Um, So it'll be a very much different team. And the other part is like, this is always, we love the military, right? We we love the military. The bowl game looks awful every year. It's like 12 degrees. It's always windy. It's disgusting. What is the motivation for Tulane and and leaving a, a year ago, going to go play USC and shock the world and finish this incredible year where you're in, in Dallas in the in the Cotton Bowl and beating like a blue blood program versus now we got to go outside for three and a half hours in this cold cold rain probably and, and, and play Virginia Tech that's like where Virginia Tech lives so I like Virginia Tech to win I don't know about seven and a half because but just like you said earlier man the hook right there really scares me but um I do like Virginia Tech to win. Bob, how do you feel about Virginia yeah, Tech? Yeah, this is a nine. game
1: of, of all the games on the board. This is one of my least favorite. Um, I think anytime that you have a ranked team that had lofty goals, big aspirations, uh, they fall short of them. You see that they're a significant underdog. I think that that's pretty telling. I, I think the fact here that that Virginia Tech is more than a touchdown favorite lets you know that they are likely to win the game. Um, I, I will just give you a couple things here. You know, They win 10 straight games, Tulane does. They lose to SMU. I think that this is a classic motivation spot. And when you consider all the turbulence and all the variables and moving parts before going into this game, I just don't think that you can take them in this spot. Uh, Tulane uh, has stayed under this year in 11 of their 14 games. I kind of suspect this game to be sort of sleepy. Uh, They're not great against the numbers. Good as Tulane was all year. They're only five and eight against the spread, too. I think that that's worth mentioning. If I had to place a bet on this game, I would probably just take the under. Uh, but otherwise, this is this is more of a no play for me.
0: I kind of like the Virginia Tech big confidence pool type game as well. Okay. Uh, a game in which you could say, "Well, Tulane was in the mix the entire year. They're familiar from last year. Maybe they should be in a good spot. Maybe you know the seven and a half isn't like the craziest of spreads." Uh, among bowl games but i I think there's something to be said for a virginia tech team that i I think should show up motivated despite the fact that they've been pretty inconsistent uh this season any sort of prop that that you guys like going into this one or do you like something maybe a little bit live because of the motivation factor
2: over under on uh, a half a nap that i take during this game (laughs) it would be over for sure for sure for sure (laughs)
0: all right let's go to the duke's mayo bowl we've got unc of course we do against <laughs> west virginia five and a half point favorite the mountaineers are no drake may that's the headliner in this one if you're assuming that oh my god one last time to see drake may that's just not the way the college football works anymore Backup connor harrell he will start he spells his name incorrectly so take that into account this is a redemption bowl for mac brown he had to watch shane beamer get all that mayo dumped on him and he may or may not have gotten a concussion if that happens to Mac Brown and they fudge the mayo dump, Ooh. we're going to watch a man die on live television. And I look, Connor. we can't have that. We can't have that. So, do you bet with your heart and just say, just Lord, just let West Virginia cover five and a half after it felt like Neil Brown was the most obvious hot seat guy and he was able to kind of overcome that? Do you like West Virginia or do you like the fight in Gene Chiswick's to cover plus five and a half, Marler?
2: Okay. So, we're obviously. We did a lot of research and stuff like that going into this game. I'll admit to everyone right now, this game I completely forgot about. Because when you just said West Virginia is a five-and-a-half point favorite over UNC, that's the first time I'm hearing of this. So you're going to get a real-time reaction here. Um, West Virginia, not great um, for, for the last couple of seasons. They did win four of the last five, but look who they won against. They, they beat UCF, BYU, Sensi, Baylor. They've had a huge loss, obviously, to Oklahoma. Um what a disrespectful line to, to UNC and Connor, if there's anything that you remember from the, the, the three plus years of us doing podcasts together, I love first half lines. What's my least favorite spread in all of sports
0: when there's and Yeah. A half. Okay. I read, I read an
2: article 11 years ago that I'm probably saying way incorrectly. Uh, but like 73% of people, that, 73% of teams favored by five and a half do not cover 29% lose outright. Um, that might have just been about the NFL, but I've lived my whole life based off that. So uh I, I don't like this spread for for West Virginia. It's a home game kind of for UNC. Um, you know, I, I think there's I think there's probably still a lot of pride for UNC that like on the line in this game. I, and I'm 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 kind of shocked at like the disrespect they're getting uh in this bowl game.
0: Yeah, they play a lot in Charlotte. Bookend of the season mm-hmm. in both both of these games uh yeah. in, in Charlotte. Bob, uh, are we going to see Mac Brown gets a lot of mayo dumped on him and wonder if he's ever going to be able to ca- crawl? It's it's out a of tough
1: it. one. This is, I think, one of the the toughest games to sort of size up. I, I go back to when UNC beat Miami, and I I remember that game well because I had Miami. Uh, I thought that the the odds were screaming Miami in that game. I thought that that was like a dead mm-hmm. red play, and I got beat. They're six and zero. They're ranked tenth in the country. And and here's the argument, I think, against UNC, because like you talk about the fact that they might enter this game still with a lot of pride. It's just where their season was not so long ago and where it is now. You know, they lose four out of their final six games. Yeah. They they lose to NC State. Like, I just don't know after that. Yeah, exactly. 39-20 to NC State. Like, then you shut it down. Drake May isn't playing. Like, what where does that leave you? The only the only thing I could say if I wanted to argue with myself is that maybe maybe Drake may not playing, gives them a little bounce, like a little bit more like, all right, he's gone now. Like Mr. NFL draft. We've been talking about Drake may all year. There's, there's other guys left. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's other players that can still make plays on this team. And does that give them a motivational edge? And it might. And and so while one my initial look at this is like, I, I don't like where UNC's at in relationship to where they were, they're not gonna be motivated. I'm not so sure that that's actually true. And I would just default back to if I'm not sure and I'm going to get five and a half points with a a pretty talented team, I'll probably just take them. Uh, Again, not a lot of conviction in that. If you're listening to this, I don't I I wouldn't tell you to go out there and make it your play of the day or anything like that. But in this case, I, I probably would take the points.
0: Worth mentioning that Sam Howell did play in this game two years ago. It didn't matter against South Carolina. Shane Beamer busted out the bag of tricks, and they won that game, despite the fact that he was uh, a guy that that came in, obviously, to that season with a lot of hype as one of the best quarterbacks in the country and was probably trying to salvage some of his draft stock uh, in that game and didn't necessarily work out. Their offensive line was really bad in that one uh, is there uh, man, if I'm so I, I agree with you guys, I would do from a confidence standpoint, I would be like a little bit, maybe just a little bit on UNC just because I can't bring myself to say or pick anything negatively against gene. is like, that'll never happen for me. Um, Is there a prop in this one? A lot of people have been pretty down on the UNC defense and that they didn't have necessarily the improvement that many uh, myself mainly uh, thought that they were going to have this year. Is there a prop with, maybe the related to the UNC defense that either one of you guys like with maybe like a West Virginia team total over
2: over under how many times that I tell somebody that's next to me watching this game that, that Gene Chiswick has a hotmail account um, over. More. Oh yeah, yeah. Minimum. I was going to say how many times does one of us or both of us compliment how nice of a guy Gene Chiswick is. It has been disappointing, man. Like they had nine sacks in that week one game against South Carolina. I I, I still say that like, if there's one side of the ball that's been disappointing over the last two seasons, it's been them at times, but they've also been able to rally troops a lot as well. I don't know if I would touch any of like the, the prop bets, but I think Chizwick is, you know, hopefully he'll show up in, in, the, in the game. Hey, sports fans. We've got an
0: exciting offer exclusively for new users of ESPN Bet. When you join, be sure to enter the promo code SOUTH during sign-up to unlock an additional $50 in your betting account. That's right. You can wager on your favorite sports and receive up to $250 in bonus bets when you use the promo code SOUTH. Please remember, you must be 21 years old to participate in sports betting. We encourage responsible gambling within your means. If you ever need assistance or support, please reach out to 1-800-522-4700. Join the action today and make the most of this fantastic offer. Holiday Bowl, USC, no Caleb Williams, a very different USC. Going to be taken on number 15, Louisville. Louisville's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. TBD on whether the entire USC defense has opted out of this game like they opted out for the entire season. Um, you know, that joke was just sitting right there. Here's a fun stat that probably not a lot of people know, and if you're thinking to yourself, Louisville's a lock to win and cover this game, Louisville was up 17-7 to on Kentucky. Ever since Jack Harlow flipped double birds at Kentucky fans, Louisville has been outscored 47 to 20 by Devin Leary and FSU's third string quarterback. I'm just, is Louisville cursed now? Some people are asking. Some are wondering if this is like when A-Rod and J-Lo were at that Notre Dame game in 2017 and Miami fans are freaking out, the U is back. And then don't you know what the U wasn't back? They lost three in a row. And then any chance Mark Richt have had of, of having national relevance there is, it faded very, very quickly. So is Louisville that? Maybe. We'll see. What do you guys think about this line? Louisville being a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Marler, let's start with you.
2: We just covered so much history there, um, for one. So um, I think it's probably fair. I mean, this is a team, Louisville, it's been very odd to watch this team all year. You know, at one point they're 10-1, and um, sitting there right in the top 10 uh, of the college ball playoff rankings but with really no chance of ever get, making it in. Like, they could have gone 12-1. and one, They could have beaten FSU, um, could have beaten Kentucky. It would have never mattered. They were never going to make the college football playoff, which is always kind of odd. Um, but I will say uh, the, the Kentucky game seemed telling. It seemed kind of telling of the way, like, the, 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 how tough this team was. Um, and obviously, they struggled mightily against Florida State. I think they're a good team. USC just has this ability to make teams that are very average look great because that defense is so terrible.
0: Yeah, I look, I I don't know if there is a, a whole lot to feel good about USC winning a game against a team that's even decent after losing five regular season games. But Bob, is there is there a hope that they can win outright and this can be a, a bit of like a how do you like me now Toby Keith game for Lincoln Riley?
1: So uh, I have notes here on my screen as we're talking through all these games. And there are a couple that have big, bold lettering. And uh, one is Louisville. And uh, I, I hate USC. I can't even really speak to Louisville. I hate this USC team. Um, I hate Lincoln Riley's USC team. Like, I, I just do not like this team at all. Uh, I go back to the Colorado game. You remember when Colorado loses to USC 48-41? And myself included, but all of the football watching America says, wow, you know, look at Colorado. This is, this is really showing us something. Well, now with some revisionist history, you look back and say, my God, USC sucks. And and like, that's the way that I sort of interpret this game. They've lost five of their last six games coming into this. They gave up 52 points to Washington, 36 to Oregon, 38 to UCLA. They're three and nine against the spread this year. Only Minnesota and Van, oh Minnesota's also three and nine. Only Vanderbilt is less profitable across the country against the spread this season. I hate USC. I, you can't make this spread big enough. I'll take Louisville.
0: So so no. <laughs> <real> quick, yeah.
2: <laughs> no. The, the yeah. The the teams you listed there, right? Washington giving up, didn't give them giving up. Understandable, yes. Understandable. 36 to Oregon. I get it. That's a really good offense. They're very efficient this year. But giving up 38 to UCLA, when you look what UCLA did the next week against Cal and, and they scored seven total points, like they, they've just done a bad job of this all year. And I'll tell you the thing about Louisville is like, I want to, I want so badly to just assume that they're an offensive team because of, of Braum and everything like that. But they were 15th in the country in first half scoring defense. Uh, there's that theme again, first half, um, giving up 8.9 points per game. And like you said, USC is one of the worst teams in the country. Yeah, it's interesting um, that you bring that up.
1: I actually see the total sitting around 57, 58 points, and I think that seems low. Um, When when you look at this, Mm -hmm. USC this year, the over has hit nine out of their 12 games. So it just speaks to how bad they are defensively. Yes, we obviously know that they have a good offense. Caleb Williams, who won't even play in this game, won't be a factor. I, right. I think that Louisville covers it. One other note here, the game actually opened at six and a half. It's crossed seven in a lot of different places. So it certainly seems to be getting away. I wonder if if the public perception of USC still being an elite program brings this back a little bit. I don't think so, though. Uh, I, I think the value is completely gone here. Uh, with I actually think the value of Louisville is somewhat gone since it's cross seven. It doesn't matter to me. I'm still going to take it.
0: I don't necessarily blame you, and if there are people saying, well, I watched Louisville really struggle against Florida State, and remind you, Florida State has a top-ten defense. That game was played with pouring rain. Yes, it's frustrating that Louisville wasn't able to uh, put up more points in a game like that. You kind of understand some of the circumstances and what probably limited an offense that usually has a lot more balance and they were not able to establish any balance. I would expect that to be a different one. I think this is going to be a big-time confidence points game could be one of those games where you look at everybody in your confidence pool and they're sitting there in the 30s and you're like all right well this game doesn't mean a whole lot when everybody thinks that Louisville's going to be able to win this game uh without uh, a, a caleb williams led usc team anything else that stands out about this one or should we move on to the texas pool
2: R- real quick on it too I, I do like louisville first half to cover four and a half points um I, I think they'll jump on them early um but here's the other thing too if you're if you're usc this is really the first team we've seen especially from a blue blood standpoint that jumped into that hole. We're going to build our team out of the portal. Not a lot of guys that have like a lot of like ties to USC first necessarily. And they brought in a ton of people. And I wonder like how much pride is actually in that locker room. Because this entire thing has been built off Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. And it's been a disaster this year. And now you're missing one of those key parts too. Like, I just wonder how they're going to go out there and play with any sort of pride in this game.
0: Yeah, the motivation factor. Definitely something, Bob, that that you talk about a lot with with the live lines. Uh could be could be an interesting play with USC, especially if they come out defensively and it's just Swiss cheese, which that's kind of what we've come mm-hmm. to expect with this team. Okay, let's talk with Texas Bowl, guys. Texas AM's a three point favorite. Oklahoma State's number 20th in the country. Obviously, a little bit of a setback in the Big 12 championship after just getting walloped by Texas. Classic Big 12 showdown this is. AM has a ton of guys in the portal, especially on defense. It feels like the whole roster is in flux. Kind of wait and see with some of these potential opt-outs. We don't know necessarily what it's going to look like if they're going to be without Edron Cooper, if they're going to be without Evan Stewart. Maybe Oklahoma State's going to be without an Ollie Gordon, but you know I, I don't necessarily know if that's going to be the case. This feels like everything because also Jalen Henderson – has been very good down the stretch for AM, and you kind of don't really know what to expect of him in that offense. But this feels just like a stay away in general. So many of these lines suggest that, and AM being a three point favorite feels like that. Unless, Marler, you're telling me that just Elijah Robinson, you just bet on an interim coach and bet on a guy figuring some things out after he looks like, you know, the guy knew what he was doing against LSU.
2: Yeah, I tell you what. The, from a coaching standpoint, he did that. That wasn't just because LSU's defense is bad. That whole idea of and game plan of we're going to hold on to the football as long as possible and keep Jalen uh, Jaden Daniels off the off the field. Brilliant move. It seems like no one had really done that all season. So um, I thought he did a really good job from a coaching standpoint. In that and even as an interim, uh, the thing with AM, uh, and it's something kind of surprising. And I understand that the OC is gone. You know, your quarterbacks have been out. Um, you get the, the backup in the transfer portal. Obviously, they're down to the third string. That's an offense that, that finished outside the top 20. It was just 21st in the country in scoring offense this year with a backup quarterback for most of the season. Uh, you know, like what does Oklahoma State want to do? They want to run the football, and that's that's really into the teeth of, of that Aiden defense, which is the strength of that team. I don't know how many teeth are left in that in that mouth, I guess, is what I should say. Because I I don't like most of them are in the portal. Um, I will say, back to the same theme. This is where I live, the first half. Oklahoma State, uh, they have been pretty bad this season, especially in the first half of games. Um, they are 123rd, I'm sorry, 123rd nationally in uh, first half scoring defense, allowing almost 20 points per game in the first half. They're giving up 27 uh, points per game in the last three. They, like, they seem like, I don't want to say one dimensional, but this is not like the Oklahoma State teams of the past where they're able to spread you out and, and throw the ball down the field. Like it is Ollie Gordon. and it It's only Ollie Gordon. Does
0: that mean there could be an underplay? Do you have a, a strong feeling on, on that as well? Or, or Bob, do you look at this and think, you know what? AM interim coach, Mike Gundy, we know him. They, they, this is a team that probably has more of an identity and maybe that's the play. Or you go moneyline or or something like that for AM if you're not quite as sure about that. Yeah,
1: it's funny at the top you kind of called this like a, a stay away game. This on the surface to me is is very much a stay away game. And then you dig into it and like you go, okay, like where's the advantage? What can I find here? And so you start digging through these trends and like I see Texas A&M five and two record against the spread when favored by three or more this season. So like they're pretty good in this situation. You feel pretty good about that. Then you turn around, and you see that they're oh three and one ATS against ranked opponents and you go, oh, OK. So it feels like every time you're asking them to step up a little bit, they're unable to cover the number. Then you consider everything that's going on with the coaching staff. You got the change over there. I just kind of keep coming back to the same thing here, which is like I can't find an angle, so I'm off of this game entirely. Mm -hmm. I I think you know people are listening to this; they want picks, they want to know which way you lean. If if I had to dig into it, I probably would play the total, and I would actually probably go under because it just feels like a situation where, to me. You're, you're probably going to, it's, it's almost like a survival game to me in a sense. Like, I don't think that you're opening it up. Like, I, I think that you're just trying to keep it basic, just survive the game, get through it. And I think situationally it kind of plays to an under.
2: Well, and it kind of sucks now because Jimbo's gone and he can't fake a COVID uh, outbreak like he did in 2021 to miss the bowl game. So. I was going to say, they might have less depth in this one, depending on how some of these
0: opt-outs go than they did for that potential bowl game that they opted out of entirely in, in 2021. Here's the thing, too, about some of these games. If you are just going against the team that has a coaching staff in flux, there are going to be some teams that get up. Oh, yeah. And they get up and they look great mm-hmm. and they just make you feel dumb. You might just have to live with some of those. Yeah, and to your
1: point, it's just a byproduct. We see that in the NFL all the time. A coach gets gets canned, and then the next week the team almost always responds. Like, so I mean, that definitely should be highlighted. Mm -hmm. That is certainly something that needs to be noted here. It's not just oh, changeover, and, and then the other side is stable. Clearly they have an advantage. It's not really that. I think it's the totality of everything here that makes me want to stay away. Just the, the sheer volume, the pure volume of players in the portal, the uncertainty from a personnel perspective. This is just one I can't go near.
0: Let's go to football games in a baseball stadium. Marlar, I know this one is near and dear to your heart. The Fenway Bowl. Yes, Get off that field. <laughs> man, it's so weird seeing some of these games in baseball stadiums. Number 24, SMU, 10.5-point favorites against Boston College. If you're looking at that line going, man, that's big. That's really big. Boston College, gutted in the secondary. SMU's offense mm-hmm. lights out with Rhett Lashley. They won nine in a row to end the season, including a pretty big statement win at Tulane, a road game in the conference championship game. During that nine-game win streak, they averaged 44 points per game. And this is a BC defense that you teased earlier, Bob. You're talking about how bad they are. They're barely in the top 100 in scoring. Uh, so that's also not even factoring how bad uh, they're going to be from an injury standpoint, from a portal standpoint in the secondary. So that's why the spread is so lopsided. It seems like they're daring you to try and take some points. But Marlar is SMU minus 10.5 the obvious play here?
2: I, I kind of think it is. I mean, like, listen – when you, If you look at BC and you're thinking, okay, listen, BC, they're a Power 5 team. I, I thought they were better than people gave them credit for at the start of the year. But then you start looking at their, their schedule and their record this year, and who do they beat? They beat Virginia, who's really bad. They beat Holy Cross. Uh, okay. I don't have, I have nothing on Holy Cross in my notes. Um, they beat Army by three. Also, that Virginia win was by three. They beat a bad Georgia Tech team at the time by 15. You beat UConn by seven, and you beat Syracuse by seven. A lot of one-score one games there against like some pretty inferior talent. Um, SMU, you, you brought up the fact that BC, their, their scoring defense is ranked us at the top 100. Uh, SMU is ranked sixth in the country in scoring offense at 38 points per game. The other thing is, too, BC, going back to my thing, like they, they, they've had some really bad slow starts. And, and they've been outscored by 20-plus 20, uh, 20 points in, in the first half in two of their last three games. That's a recipe for disaster against SMU because SMU is going to keep scoring and keep coming at you and keep coming at you. Um, I, I I don't know if ten and a half is is the the best play, but I I would I would probably say that like it, it makes a lot of sense here like that, that a lot of confidence points. Bob, out. say something nice about BC or actually
0: don't. don't you're, do it. I can already tell you're not. Yeah,
1: going this to this one's easy. I kind of teased this earlier on. Uh, I, I'm just not a fan of this product. Uh, I have no belief in this team. They end the season 48-22 to Virginia Tech, 24-16 to Pitt, and then 45-20 in a game where some people actually felt BC could punch in that game with Miami, and they they just got their doors absolutely mm-hmm. blown off. I'll give you this one. They're 0-5 against the spread this season following a loss. They obviously come in on a three-game losing streak. Uh, they're 4-8 and overall against the spread this season uh smu's actually been pretty good against the number eight and five ats i'll take smu all day here uh one other note on the total you talk about the the issues in the secondary for bc they are one of the best over teams in the country uh eight three and one to the over this season so i i think we're going to see some points and i expect that smu's the the team that provides most Mm -hmm. of
0: them okay let's talk about another game in a baseball stadium
2: oh marler you got one more thought on that real quick i did have a prop for this one i think that like I haven't seen the line on it listed yet. You'll probably get it closer to kickoff. But this is like uh, the value in a lot of these games like this that aren't New Year's Six games. Like there's a lot of value. Like I said, I think I find in, in the first half of games, and then also in like some of like these prop bets, SMU to score first, SMU to score first in this game is is almost I feel like a lock. I I, I love Red Lashes offense. What they're able to do, I, I would take that as a as a prop bet. For
0: Fenway doesn't have a situation like Wrigley where they can only go one way on
2: the football field, right? Like. It- I don't. I, I, just, I just remember every time I've been to Fenway, and I love Fenway Park, but every time I've gone there, if you take the tour, they will freak out if your heel like just barely touches the grass. And we've got bad football teams, well, one bad football team allowed to play 60 minutes on it. That is, I'm, I'm outraged. Home
0: game for BC, though. Something
2: to keep in mind. Something to keep in mind. All 12 points. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Home game for Rutgers in the Pinstripe Bowl. Uh, they are still underdogs yeah. against Miami. Miami's a one and a half point favorite. Here's all you need to know about this. Bear Felica, friend of the program, he made Rutgers plus two and a half, one of his two favorite early bowl bets. Why is that significant? Bear's a Miami grad. Bear knows Miami inside and out, and he's already, maybe it's a little bit of what I always accuse you of, Marler, a little bit of emotional hedging. I don't think that's the case. Bear usually puts his money where his mouth is. Probably has something to do with Miami rolling out a third-string quarterback, dealing with a very gutted secondary Right now, but I, I don't know the 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 thought of Greg Schiano winning a bowl game and having a one of those years for Rutgers, which a little bit different than two thousand seven, but that that just feels very obvious to me. Do you like the the Miami minus one and a half, or are you think at Rutgers is is the play as a very slight dog in this one?
2: Rutgers is a is a good football team. They've been a punching bag for for my jokes. I think for the the country for. Quite some time. Um, they're a better football team than people give them credit for this year. They really are. Rick Shannon's done a good job up there for the eighth time. It seems like. Um, he's just Bill Snyder, but in in Jersey, that's all it is. Um, he's a younger Bill Snyder, I I think. You know, like, which side do you lean on? Miami has been such an enigma all season because it's like a team that we thought we were going to be talking a lot about, especially if that week two win against against A uh, and M. And then it's just they've been. I don't want to say irrelevant, but relevance definitely not the right word. Um. They've come close a lot in some games. That UNC game where they were favored, like oddly enough that you referenced earlier, Bob, um, that was that was something. Uh, I I think that like you look at the Florida State game, they were in that until late in the fourth. I, I mean, this is this is a home game for Rutgers. I I think that I think that Rutgers is probably a team that this means more to. So I would lean towards Rutgers. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like this is becoming a constant theme. But I mean, I would probably stay away from this one.
0: Yeah, that makes that makes more sense, Bob. Like. I, I don't know that I would be really confident in, in, in the Rutgers offense moving moving the ball consistently against Miami, but do you, you just bet on Shiano and then just just turn a blind eye to it and hope for the best. No yeah, I uh,
1: I must say I'm a, a New Jersey guy. My wife went to Rutgers, so there's a little bit of Rutgers support here. Mm. There's a, a saying, and it just it sometimes gets you in a lot of trouble, but in this case, I think that the line tells me all I need to know. Um, you, you look at Miami and some of the hype and – there's been a plenty of times this season where I've sort of bought into Miami and they have burned me. Um, I'm not going to do it here. I, I think that this is a very very telling point spread uh, because I think if you just blind tested this and you said, hey, Miami, even with even with the quarterback situation, even with some of the the movement here and uncertainty with rosters, you say, what's the spread in this game? you'd say Miami seven, eight, nine maybe. So to see one and a half I think is pretty pretty telling. The only thing I will say, Rutgers has not performed well against the number as an underdog this year. They're 1-4-1 and one ATS as an underdog. I do think that that's worth noting. They are 3-0 against the spread against non-conference opponents. So I, I, I just, just based on a pure line read, I would take Rutgers. It's going to be a miserable experience. No matter how you bet this game, you will be miserable for 3 hours and 15 minutes. That much I promise you.
0: <laughs> I think
2: that's the only play. You're going like to hate that. the way this game plays out, I guarantee. Yeah, it.
0: I think everybody feels that way with some of the, with these with these bowl games in baseball stadiums. Any props that stand out to you, Marlar?
2: No, not really. Uh, not in this one. I, I think again, like like I, I, this seems like a team, Miami. If out of everyone you've shown or we've talked about so far today, I feel like I know the least about this one as it, in terms of teams that you probably should know the most about because they've just been. It seems like a different team week to week.
0: Let's go to the Pop Tarts Bowl, the only game involving a mascot that is edible. That's how we do it here in Orlando. Pop Tarts greater than sign cheese it, and yes, it is cheese it, not cheese its, as they told us last year. So aggressively, I don't really understand that. No Will Howard lot, in this yeah. game. Uh, no OC Colin Klein, who is off to Texas A&M. The ageless Brendan Armstrong is expected to start for NC State when the line is minus three or less in these bowl games with looming potential opt-outs. It just feels like Vegas is saying, I don't know. I don't know. We'll kind of wait and see and, and and let everybody maybe bet it live or, or something like that. But it doesn't feel like there is a clear and obvious lean that has been a theme so far with a lot of these games, especially for power five teams dealing with a lot of opt-outs. Although this is a game in which you got both head coaches and <laughs> that feels, that feels kind of rare for some of these bowl games, but, Marler, is Kansas State minus three the play, or do you like NC State as a slight dog?
2: One, let me apologize for this uh, ray of light just beaming down on my face. I feel like this is the most sun I've gotten in probably years, to be honest, and it's just all at the worst time possible. Um, I So this game is interesting because Kansas State has been really good on offense this year. They've been really good in the first half of games. They've been really good in general, putting up a bunch of points per game. But like you said, like Will Howard, who I think has been the most underrated quarterback in the entire country for the last two seasons, you, like – if there's a profit bet that I've made as almost like a system play in the last year and a half, it's Will Howard over one and a half touchdowns. He's gone. Colin Klein is gone. Um, you know, NC State is a team that has really, every time that they have been, I don't say counted out, or but really, you know, dismissed or, or discounted. Like, and I'm not just talking about the Steve Smith game. Um, they seem to have responded in a really, really good way. So I think that the wrong team might be favored here. I, I think that NC State, perfect team. To have a chip on their shoulder, you're a three point underdog. I, I like NC State outright.
0: Played really well, it seems like down the stretch, and not necessarily mm-hmm. a team that a lot of people wanted to face. And could have felt like could have had some life in the ACC had they gotten off to a better start. And maybe you say the same thing about Kansas State coming off of a Big Twelve championship season, but that loss at Mizzou uh, was obviously one that, that got them kind of out of contention, at least in terms of the national picture. Bob, this feels like two really, really similar teams. Do you have a, a lean on either one? Yeah, you one talk about them? NC State
1: maybe playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Uh, I could see that. They come in, five straight wins, Clemson, Miami, Wake, uh, Virginia Tech, and UNC. Very impressive to finish the season, and yet they're a three-point underdog. should note that NC State is 5-2 and two against the spread this year as an underdog, so they've played well in this spot. Uh, one little thing on a pushback, uh, Kansas State has been pretty decent after a loss. They're 3-0 ATS after a loss this season. I, I like NC State here. Uh, they they were red hot to finish the year. Uh, I think that they come into this game with a lot of momentum, and I think they're going to finish.
0: Yeah, Kansas State too. Different season if they're able to close out Texas. Wildly different yeah. season. Unable to do that. Any prop that you like, Marler, uh, for this one? A game that, look, probably – I bet. I bet the odds makers are kind of just like, eh. I don't really know what to expect from the Kansas State offense. It's kind of hard to set the table for for a lot of these uh, potential props, at least on the offensive side of the wall.
2: Yeah, I mean it's two really contrasting styles. Um, you know, like I said, I think I feel like NC State is more of a defense defense minded first type of team. Um, it seems like that's what they played at least. Kansas State, I just like the strength of that team has been the offense, and the strength of that 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 offense is it's gone.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Should be uh, an interesting one uh, in the great, beautiful city of Orlando. Alamo Bowl. Number 14, Arizona. Again, three-point favorite. That seems to be very popular against number 12, Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel off to Oregon. Noah Fafita off to becoming one of the 10 best quarterbacks in all of college football. Oklahoma will not have OC Jeff Levy. Obviously, he is going to Mississippi State. Some Oklahoma fans probably tell you that's actually a good thing. The Jackson Arnold era is beginning, could be shades of a little bit of the Clay Cade Nick last year looking overwhelmed in the bowl game against Tennessee as the decorated five-star freshman. Arizona was my lock of the week a handful of times before the odds makers finally mm-hmm. realized how good they were. And that was a, a obviously because of No Fafita getting the starting quarterback job. Two fun facts about this game: best announcing crew in the biz with Tom Hart, Cole Kubrick, Jordan Rogers on the call. Also, the two teams who played in this game last year, Washington and Texas, now playing each other in a playoff game. So who knows? Maybe we're going to see both these teams playing in a playoff semifinal game. All right, Arizona's probably not, but 12-team playoff, you never know. So three-point favorite Arizona is, I don't bet against Noah Fafita. Marlar, do you bet against Noah Fafita?
2: No, I'll tell you what, you, you make the joke about them being in a playoff scenario. Like, this is a team that they have a, Seven point loss in double overtime the first week of the season, or sorry, the second week of the season to Mississippi State on the road, double overtime early on. They lose by two against USC, and a lot of people who watch that game they could tell you they kind of got screwed in that game. Then they lost by seven to a team that's in the actual college football playoff. There are a couple of bad breaks from being 11 1 this year. They're a really, really good football team. I think it's probably the best turnaround job we've seen in all of college football. Um, so I don't, I, you know, you made the joke, but I think it's, it's not even that far fetched. I do like Arizona a lot. This This bowl game, we made a joke about how some of these are kind of like, you know, weird matchups and not that great or blah, blah, blah. Like don't stay away from this. Alamo bowl and the holiday bowl. Don't miss every single year, every single year. This is a great matchup Two top 15 teams. I'm excited for the Jackson Arnold era in Oklahoma. I wish that he had Jeff Levy there to, to call some plays. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I like Arizona because I think Arizona is a, is a tougher team. Bob, is it weird that Arizona is only a three-point favorite? Doesn't it feel like Arizona should be a bigger favorite knowing
0: that the offense in flux for Oklahoma? Yeah, I
1: think a lot of just comes into the public perception it's Oklahoma. It's a traditional power and I still think that you, you have to respect that and you have to respect what the program's been from a historical standpoint. One of my best friends is an Arizona State grad uh, and it's been a, mm. a tough year for him uh, on multiple fronts because obviously his team is, is going through some problems here and then you look over you of a and they've been fantastic yeah I'm throwing out a lot of ATS trends here and I'll I'll give you one they're 10 and 2 against the spread this year and and you say okay great well here's a little bit of context behind that it's the best number the best against the spread performance in the entire country this season they have been the best bet consistently so you said that they were your lock of the week for multiple weeks earlier this year uh, and for good reason they were they were straight cash you know, we all think that the Pac-12 was, was pretty damn good this year, you know, and it's finale. Uh, and if you believe that and you believe the hype and you believe that there was really some substance to the Pac-12's performance, then they are favored on merit in this spot. Uh, you know, you said they, they lost to number seven Washington at the time and USC was number nine when they lost to him. So, you know, I, I really think mm-hmm. that U of A has been great all year. I think they're going to come in and kind of put an exclamation point on this season. I expect them to win the game and cover.
0: This would be a big confidence pool game for for yours, truly, just because of my love for Noah Fafita. Marlar, is there like a, a Noah Fafita two and a half total touchdowns <laughs> over that's interesting, or is there something else that stays out?
2: I think you can get them for over one and a half uh, total uh, passing touchdowns. Now, here's where I would go, though. Jackson Arnold over one and a half is where yeah. I would go, because I think that that offense is still going to – they're still going to try and run that offense, and this is a – not just a former five star, but this is one of the highest ranked recruits uh, at, at the quarterback position in in like recruiting rankings history. So I think that he is, I mean, just a ton of talent. Um, and I just I get the feeling that Venable's this whole situation is going to be like trying to kind of like not not get a bad taste out of your mouth because I think they're they're grateful for Dylan Gabriel and all that kind of stuff, but like. Any sort of doubt or blame that they've had uh, on Jeff Lebby, I think they're going to try and kind of put an emphasis on that. They
0: could. Definitely could. Looks like they'll be solid in the middle of that defense as well. I know there were some questions mm-hmm. about that. Gator Bowl, number 22 Clemson, four and a half point favorite against Kentucky. wonder how much <laughs> the way that things played out down the stretch impacted that line. I thought for three hours that we would have an interim coach for Kentucky in this game. Not going to be the case. We will have Mark Stoops, who has one loss against non-SEC teams in the last six seasons. And it was last year's disaster of a bowl game against Iowa. If anybody actually watched that uh, on New Year's Eve, you are a stronger person than I am. Uh, This time, though, his starting quarterback is playing. I don't know if that's always been the best thing for Kentucky this year. But Devin Leary is going to be out there. He's expected to be. He already beat Clemson at one point in his career, back when he was at NC State. Ray Davis is going to the NFL, but he is going to be playing in this game. Clemson is going to have a ton of defensive starters out for this one. But worth noting, Clemson has not lost since Tyler from Spartanburg gone on the horn and got in Dabo's ear. <laughs> Some are saying Tyler from Spartanburg is a made-up human being that you know just came at the exact right time for Clemson to be able to get them Right. Marler, can you bring yourself to say that Clemson minus four and a half is the best play?
2: Yes, uh, and I I can't stand Dabo, but yeah, it's the best play. Um, now I will say them having them having so many players out defensively, that is concerning because that has been the strength of this team, and it's it's not even remotely close. That is easily the strength of this team. Um, I think ugh, Kentucky, man, De- Devin Leary. Some idiot that wears glasses and has terrible lighting um said that he was gonna be the third best quarterback in the SEC to start the year. So maybe the lesson learned here is Connor, we don't we don't rank quarterbacks number three anymore because that's not been a good good. Whoa, whoa, for me whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold
0: on. Years. Who's complaining about my lighting when you look like you've got an angel over half of your body right now with the
2: sun? I was making fun of myself. I'm the one that rated. Did you rank oh, it third? Oh yeah, I
0: did too. I, <laughs> I thought <laughs> you were talking about me there.
2: <laughs> No, yeah, this is this is the angel lighting for sure. Uh, no, I was definitely making fun of myself. Um, I thought he was going to be fantastic. They returned all their top five pass catchers. It just never seemed to work out, even with Liam Cohen coming back. Love the way they closed the season against Louisville. Love the fact that Ray Davis is going to play in this game. I just, I mean, you know, like every time that we've expected them to get up for a game minus the Louisville game, it has been the opposite of that. They got trounced by Bama. Um, they got absolutely run out of the building against Georgia. Now, granted, those are Georgia and Bama. Um, but you know, like you had, you had a 14-point lead against Mizzou, you had a 14-point lead against Mizzou and got boat-raced. So I, I, I like this spot for Kentucky because I think that that defense could could kind of give some fits to Kate Klubnick. Yeah, screw it. I just talked myself into it. I guess I'll take I'll take Kentucky. I guess I mean the defensive starters out for Clemson. That's 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 the strength of that team. That just they've been so inconsistent on offense. Bob, do you agree with Marler knowing that
0: I? Also, there is that Jack Harlow stat that I dropped on you earlier. Not sure if that's impacting your betting. That is important to note.
1: There's no question about it. I do want to point out that you started on Clemson, and by the end of that, you worked yourself back to Kentucky. Let me throw you a curveball here. I'm going to table the ATS trends for a second. Uh, Something that you don't need to know about me, but you're going to, is that I, for a number of years, was an American Legion baseball coach, a head coach. And my sh- starting yeah. shortstop for two of those seasons was none other than Devin Leary. Uh, so, what? yeah, uh, I coached Devin Leary for two years in baseball. Uh, great guy. I don't appreciate the Devin Leary slander. Now listen. Hey, I, I, I,
2: Did he overthrow the yeah, first so a time he was there too?
1: Shortstop. I mean, I tell you what, deep in the hole, he would juggle a ball. And you're like, well, he's obviously safe. You look up. 95 miles an hour, knee high across the infield. The kid's out by two feet of first base. He's got an arm. You got to give him that. Uh, look, I mean, I think that for, for Devin, uh, a lot of his career, it feels like every time there's some momentum behind him, every time you expect that that next step to be taken for a variety of reasons. And at NC State, it was a lot of injury issues. But they, he just, you know, whatever it is, whether it's him, the team, whatever it's been, they, they've kind of had a hard time taking that next step. And so I think some of the things that you guys are talking about here are certainly warranted. Um, I just look at this, and I think that Clemson finished with a ton of momentum. There's really nothing about Kentucky that says that they're going to rise to the occasion. Uh, one and four against the spread as an underdog this season. I, I'll probably take Clemson in this game uh, laying the four and a half.
0: Gosh, I didn't realize we were talking to Devin Leary's American <laughs> Legion baseball coach. That totally changes it. Which, look, Devin Leary's 24 years old, so that was probably, what, like 10 yeah, years ago? Yeah, I guess ago? we had I him
1: mean, uh, probably had to be uh, 2014, 2015, somewhere in there, yeah.
0: Gosh, he's yeah. old, and he's playing in, in How old am Marler? I? <laughs> you know? so- I didn't want to ask that. but Come on, I don't want to Rome go there. I don't want to call uh, you out. Very uh,
1: youthful-looking 38 years old here.
0: We're just a bunch of guys in our 30s who are going to be watching these bowl games and probably living and dying with them. There is nothing wrong with that. Marler, are you talked into, by the end of this, after your roundabout way of buying into Kentucky and former Devin Leary coach, Bob Wankel, um, are you now telling yourself that there is uh, maybe a first half under that makes a little bit of sense, or would you actually go in the opposite direction knowing that Clemson could be hurt on the defensive side of the ball?
2: I mean, honestly, so the under seems like it would be the play for both sides of this. Um, but I would say that if you're looking for a prop bet, there's probably good value on this as well. Um, is Devin Leary over for, for one and a half touchdowns? I, it was only because of the fact that I don't think that you're going to run the football on Clemson as a, as a method of beating them. And Ray, I mean, maybe. And I, and I love Ray Davis. He's been awesome. And I think they'll, they'll probably try to, in his sendoff, give him his, his flowers and, and as many opportunities as possible. But I will also say that I think that like there, there's still a lot of talent in that receiver room and at the quarterback position, and they still have the OC with Liam and your twin. Um, so that's where I think the most best value would be.
0: Ray Davis over on total yards would be would be an interesting one too, with the point that you just brought yeah. up about trying to give him that that send off and do right by him. Um, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Sun Bowl, number 19, Oregon State Marlers, Oregon State Beavers. Against number 16, Notre Dame. Notre Dame's six-and-a-half-point favorite. Jonathan Smith off to Michigan State. Both his quarterbacks hit the portal. Passing game coordinator is the interim coach for Oregon State. Can't think of a whole lot of instances in which the passing game coordinator has been the interim coach, but here we are. Welcome to bowl season in the year of our Lord 2023. The quarterback of this game, Ben Go Branson. You're like, wait, why is that a familiar name? He led Oregon State to the blowout win against Florida in last year's bowl game and then he was the third string quarterback this year. He threw one pass and he's going to get the start in this one. Sam Hartman skipping the bowl game. I think they should let Tyler Buckner come back and play <laughs> in the bowl game. I don't care about the lacrosse career. Let them let them just play him in bowl games. He was awesome last year in the bowl game against South Carolina minus that interception they threw in the end zone that was maddening for Notre Dame fans. Irish could be without Joe Alt. They could be without Aldrich uh, Estime in this one as well if they opt out. Follow that one; that could impact that line. That could bring that down from Notre Dame minus six and a half. Nagurski, winner Xavier Watts will play in this game for the Irish. Uh, it's tough to put a whole lot of faith behind Oregon State for anyone, much less for you, Marler. I imagine.
2: I still, so listen. I've, I've moved on past the Oregon okay. State stuff. It's fine. Like they, they were, I, I had them preseason pick to win the Pac twelve at one point because I thought that it was going to be such chaos in May and that they're going to be able to sneak up and and get there. Um, And they're a really good football team. I I, I hate to say this, but the DJU thing him leaving doesn't really bother me as much. Um, Love the stat you brought up or the fact that you brought up about the the third string quarterback playing against Florida last year. That's a different Oregon state team. I think with, with more to prove Um, I still think they're a really, they were really fundamentally sound team through most of the year. Jonathan Smith leaving his alma mater, the place he played for to go to Michigan State in kind of a money grab situation, which hats off to him. Um, I, I like Notre Dame in this spot way more than I, than I like Oregon State. I think I think it'll be close early still, uh, especially with the new quarterback at Notre Dame. You also said that, that you know, we don't care about uh, Tyler Buckner's lacrosse career. Nobody cares about Tyler Buckner's lacrosse career. Um, I, I like Notre Dame in this one. I think this is probably, a, for a confidence pool standpoint, I would be near max max bet here on, on this
0: yeah line. i i don't think there's anything wrong with that and if that's if that line comes down too that would be the only instance in which you know if, the, if they do have those opt-outs on the notre dame side it'll be interesting to see how that line moves but bob how do you feel about notre dame minus six yeah and a half?
1: i think uh there's been numerous occasions where you've sort of taken the words right out of my mouth and the only thing that sort of gives me pause about this game is the potential opt-out situation Um, I I think that you look at Oregon state and you respect the season that they had. Certainly they, they gave Washington all it could handle, uh, you know, back on Thanksgiving weekend. There's a lot there. Uh, I I just, I gotta tell you, I, I just keep coming back to this thing with Notre Dame. They were eight, three and one against the spread this year. They were six and two as a favorite of more than six and a half points. And that kind of defies conventional wisdom for me because I would think that Notre Dame's a big public play and that any time that they're a a bigger favorite, it's just the odds makers kind of playing against the fact that they're such a popular team. So when I looked at this game, I said, I don't know. Like Everyone's going to want to bet Notre Dame. I'd probably just play against public perception. But then I see the performance that they've had against the number in this spot all year, and I say, okay, that gives me enough of a go-ahead to move forward with it. So I would take Notre Dame. You know, barring anything crazy happening between now and kickoff in terms of who's available.
0: Yeah, being without three of your four best players could potentially uh, hurt the Irish in, in a spot like that. And it could speak to why that line is only at six and a half and maybe not uh, even bigger. Marler, is there anything that that you look at from a prop standpoint that, that you like going into this one?
2: Oregon State's running back, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now, um, name-wise, because I, I keep thinking DJU for some reason how to spell that, and I can't do it. So I think Oregon State—that's their only answer on offense—is to be able to run the football. And they are a hard-nosed football team. I think like that's where they're going to try to live. Um, you know, too many question marks. I think for Notre Dame, so, somebody's going to have a breakout game for Notre Dame. Like, there's going to be some player. It seems like there's always one like this in, in a game, like especially with like these like blue bloods or bigger name teams that are looking forward to next year. Um, there's always someone that's going to have like massive, massive breakout game that you think, man, next year, man, that kid's going to take off. I think that probably happens. I just don't know who it would be for Notre Dame. Okay, let's go to the Liberty Bowl, Memphis. Ugh, I can't legally. <laughs> Mem- you can't go to Memphis? What are you talking about? Oh, I thought this was Treeport. I'm thinking yeah, Independence Bowl. My
0: bad. I always mix if you're, up. If you're banned from Memphis, we got other things to talk about, marlow That's that's, that's, yeah, that's not that's good. Right. Home game from Memphis, but they are eight and a half point underdogs against Iowa State. I'm kind of surprised that line is so lopsided when Memphis' three losses this year were one score game to a New Year's Six bowl-bound Mizzou in St. Louis and then losses to the two teams that played in the AAC championship in Tulane and SMU. Memphis quarterback Seth Hannigan, he has been there, I think, since the Eisenhower administration. It feels like he's been there forever. Iowa State is such a herky-jerky team and really tough to figure out. So I'm surprised that line is as big as it is Marler, are you going with the home team in the place that you were definitely not BAM from?
2: So I, I, yeah, I mean, I am because Iowa State is awful. Are they awful? Awful. I, I mean, yeah, they are. They're all. they're awful. Memphis is, is nine and two in the over this year. I, I do love that., um, I think they'll try to put up some points, but Iowa State is just so tough to watch. Um, I I mean, like you said, it's a home game, which I do love, so I I would stick with them.
0: Bob, what about you? Is there is there a, a little bit of temptation to be like, I'm gonna I'm gonna at least bet that Iowa State minus eight and a half down, or, or are you thinking we're just probably ignoring the defensive issues that Memphis could have against a power five team like? Yeah, Iowa State? Memphis
1: has struggled against the spread this year. Uh, Iowa State's actually been pretty good as a favorite, four and two against the number as a favorite. Uh, obviously, they hang. I think that Iowa State's most impressive performance of the season was what? Hanging around Texas? Is, is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I probably kind of skew over here. I probably leave the side alone. I assume that Iowa State will do enough to win the game, but I, I think it's a tough spread to get involved with perhaps maybe this is like a teaser situation uh, you bring it down under a field goal maybe like if you really feel the need to get involved but Memphis has been one of the best over teams in the country this season uh, a lot of points and I would just
2: probably roll with that trend in this spot
0: Marler first half over
2: I, I just I don't like any over with Iowa State mm-hmm. I just don't like any over with Iowa State and, and they are like like you said like that, what he brought up too what Bob said is, is probably the best points. like the best attribute about this team, the best thing you can say about them is that they hang around. And, like, not that they won, not that they had this upset win, but it's like they do hang around like longer yeah, than they should. I for, agree. For what it's worth, I mean, Memphis. It, and, and listen, you know, one thing I will say, I probably should have thrown
1: this disclaimer way back, maybe about an hour ago, but like when you throw out these trends, first of all, you're talking about a, a, a sizable gap between the last time we've seen them and when we're seeing them again. A lot Mm -hmm. of times people are very aware and cognizant of these trends, right? And you can almost as an odds maker say, like people are going to know that they're a great over team. Let's inflate the line a little bit, see if we can extract a little extra value on our side out of this. But I I do think that when you start to look at these games and you dive in, you realize who's in, who's out, what the motivating factors are, and you start to connect the dots, it makes some sense. Iowa State, not a great over team, not a great offense. I I just think that in this situation – An Iowa State game that that is almost up near sixty points, to me, like again, like that's that sets off some alarm bells for me. I think there's gonna be some points in this game. Yeah. And again, not a game that I'm I'm dying to bet, but we're talking about it. So that's that's the way I would go with it.
0: Brock Purdy ain't walking through that door. That's what I say. You know, Just, just saying. Music City Bowl, Auburn, two and a half point favorite against Maryland. The Big Ten's all-time leading passer, Talia Tungavailoa. How about that?
2: That's insane. It's, it?
0: it's just one of those things that you, you wouldn't have ever expected for for his career, and even because a lot of people forget that Maryland is in the Big Ten. Just a weird, fun trivia nugget to drop on people to show that you watch way too much college football. He is playing though in this one, uh, which great to see because when he's out there, he is one of the most fun quarterbacks in the country to be able to watch. Don't really know what to expect from these secondaries. Auburn could have opt-outs. I don't know. Some people would say DJ James opted out of that last Mm -hmm. play of the Iron Bowl and didn't play coverage on Isaiah Bond the way that he should have. Some people are saying that. I'm personally not. He took one wrong step. Um, I I know you do. You really do. That comes from your heart. Maryland could have some depth issues in the secondary as well. Hugh Freeze hasn't lost a bowl game since 2014 because – He left Liberty before he would have definitely lost a bowl game last year, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, He has won four straight bowl games. Does Auburn bounce back from two devastating losses to end the regular season, albeit for very different reasons? Will the Tigers rush more than two if push comes to shove? I don't know. We will see. Marler, I know that you're probably going to tease that Auburn minus two and a half lineup to what, like
2: Auburn minus... 20 and a half is that how good you're feeling about Tigers? i i haven't brought up a teaser once because i know bob is an actual uh real gambler and he does not want to hear me talk about teasers but i would i would definitely jump in on a 10 point teaser on this one with, with taking them up to 12 and a half listen just bottom line and i i understand that i made a joke earlier about being a bama fan and and, and I, I feel like I, I could be objective about auburn regardless there's no reason that auburn's favored. there's no reason that auburn's favored in this game at all like maryland's a better football team than auburn has been all year we are basing this solely off the fact that they almost beat Alabama. They, and then you're going to look back and say, well, they almost beat Georgia. No, they didn't. Like, they, they came within seven of beating Georgia. Um, and then at the Bama game, you, been, you you found every possible way to give that game to Alabama. And I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. I, I still – whoever was doing the, the QB spy thing at the end was still my favorite play or favorite part of that play regardless. I, I think if you said that Auburn might have opt-outs, the only thing that's interesting about this is if they have opt-outs on defense because that's the strength of this team – I don't know how Auburn's going to score. Maryland doesn't have like the, the best defense, um, but they've got some talent on offense for sure. I think Talia is, is a guy that like, it's so bizarre to me because Talia is a guy that was, he, you know, remember he said that he was offered 1.5 million from an SEC school it was Auburn, uh, in the offseason to go there. And obviously stayed at Maryland, which I think was a better move because of uh, Loxley. I think this is a, like a send off game for him. Like, like Auburn, I, I think the fans are going to show up in full force. For sure they're excited about this game and they're excited to get back to a bowl game and where the tra- trajectory of this program is going but i don't think that they should be favored in this game at all Marlar showed up with a auburn hat and said don't bet
0: on auburn to cover minus two yep, my heart. you do bob what about you what's your what's your feel yeah
1: for well before you even dig into it i look at the odds and i say okay well we have a, a more prestigious program here in auburn a, a team that is at times in sec power Going up against Maryland. Uh, not exactly. I mean, listen, yeah, I know power five, but not exactly a prestigious football program. And I think that there's a little bit of that influencing what the odds are here, because I do think that the wrong team is favored in this spot. Um, the only thing I will say against Maryland is much like Iowa state, like what's the most impressive thing on Maryland's resume this season, almost beating Michigan, right. Almost beating Northwestern. I know, I know they had a big win over Towson back in September. So, I mean, like, I I think that that's one of the things that gives you a little bit of pause, but, um, I just don't know how, how much Auburn's going to have after that Alabama game. Like you, you lose a game like that, the way you lose it, and I just can't see Auburn really getting up to take it to Maryland in this spot. Um, so I think that when you look at the the importance of the game overall, probably means more to Maryland. I,
2: I would take Maryland in this spot. And also, let's not forget at all, guys, like Auburn is a basketball school. They're a basketball blue blood if you ask any of their fans. So it's 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 basketball season, has been for quite some time. Like, will their fans even care?
0: It's, uh, look, I <laughs> – Auburn fans are going to be well represented in the music city bowl. If you think Auburn yeah. fans are going to pass up an opportunity to go to Nashville, you're out of your mind. They will be there in full force. This will probably feel like an Auburn home game. I'm not saying it's going to be Jordan mm-hmm. Hare away from Jordan Hare, but just saying, wouldn't be, Hope wouldn't not. be a surprise. Marler. Is there an over on Peyton Thorne rushing yards? Because if there is, I think that would be really interesting.
2: So it's, it's hovered all season, right around 30 to 38 yards. Um, I will say that almost a, a system play for me throughout the year has been Talia Tungovailoa over one and a half uh, passing touchdowns. It's, it's like, there's been times like the Michigan State game. That was one of my best bets of the week. And he, he covered it in the first like six minutes of the game. Um, a little bit different animal going up against, against this team. Uh, but I think that they will try to, like I said, it's a send off game for him. Uh, he's obviously very close with Michael Oxley. I think that that will be the, the focal point of the game plan. But i do like what you said i tell you what another one here too is, is jarquez hunter in the run game for for auburn i think they're gonna there's a lot of strength there um and i, I think that they'll probably feature as well yeah
0: maryland top third in the country uh, against the run kind of a tricky matchup mm-hmm. for auburn in that regard okay let's go to the most frustrating bowl name change that we have in this entire postseason i uh, know it's rough it's no longer the outback bowl it is the Reliquest quest bowl i was there last year it just Different vibes, man. Talk about, oh, gosh, a sponsor that. Look, I'm not here to bash them. Not not saying anything like that. I am. I, I'm, I'm not. I, I refuse to do that. I'm just saying I miss watching Cole eat an entire and Onion on the sideline. That's the content I need in my life. Nonetheless, Wisconsin, LSU. LSU is an 11-point favorite. If there is ever a game in which we're talking about watch the opt-outs, it is this one. Okay? Yeah. It is. You've already got Braylon Allen opting out of this one for Wisconsin. That's probably factoring into why that line is where it's at. We are recording this as we sit and breathe on December 12th. This game is not for a few weeks, so do not take what we have to say as gospel necessarily in, as regards to, to spreads and and, and and you know some of these props that could be taken off the board if there are opt-outs that happen. We don't know yet as of this recording. About those LSU studs, obviously Heisman Trophy winner Jaden Daniels. You've got Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas Jr. Wait and see if those guys are going to be playing. Although, even if all three of those guys opt out, I would still expect LSU to be a considerable favorite. If it means that we're seeing Garrett Nussmeyer and some of these secondary options that LSU has in the passing game, they still have depth at the pass catcher spots. If those guys opt out, but Marler, are you scared away from minus eleven now? Or would this be one of those wait-and-see with the opt-outs before
2: you make a play? So I don't think it'll matter. I don't think it'll matter. I think I think if you told me that Nussmeier was going to start for this for LSU, I honestly already thought he was. I, I Just kind of going into it with that mentality of like, yeah, he's of course he's going to start because there's no reason for Jaden Daniels to play in this game. Um, I hate to say that because we'd love to all watch him play one more time. But we'd also hate to see anything happen to him in, in a game like this. So I think that Nussmeier is going to start. And I think it, when they announced that, Wisconsin fans are going to, like, breathe a, sigh of, breathe a sigh of relief. And then, like, a half second later, someone's going to inform them what LSU has Garrett Nussmeyer, and it's going to be right back to panic mode. The, the most surprising thing to me about this is I thought this was going to be a match made in heaven with, with Phil Longo, our boy, going to Wisconsin, leaving UNC. This man left UNC in Drake Mays last year in college with all that talent on offense it was like, I'm going to Wisconsin. The weather's beautiful. It should be a blast up there. I think there's – if you told me he left there strictly because of the cheese curds, I'd believe it because it doesn't make a lot of sense why he would have left otherwise. Like this, I thought it'd be a match made in heaven in Luke Fickle's first year, and there's a, a point in the season where they were four and one, seeming like they were like right on course. Not a great football team, not a great offense. Scored less than ten points in I think three of their last six. It just, I not a lot of great things going there. for Marla, sports. are you still catfishing Phil Longo? He was catfishing me technically, but yeah, I, mean, I guess I kind of was for sure. I, I mean, he thought I was like a former player and. At a time, I think
0: we all do. Yeah. Okay, sure. Uh, totally. Bob, is there something to be said for waiting for these opt outs to come and then saying, Oh, LSU is only a six point favorite. I would rather jump all over that and take advantage of this line yeah. then, as opposed to right now when it's sitting there. Yeah, the there's
1: place. absolutely no reason to bet LSU right now. If you're going to bet LSU, wait, it's only going to go one direction. I will say if it stays where it's at a relevant spot here, uh, the tigers this season have been favored by more or greater than 10 points i should say six different times they've covered five of the six times that they were favored by ten and a half or more so i think that that is a pretty a pretty good uh, spot to kind of consider uh, should they stay a big time favorite and there is no better team and i'll just throw this out here so that we can all walk away with some knowledge uh, no better team this season uh, in terms of betting the over than LSU. Uh, they were, I believe, let me see here, 11 and 1 to the over this season, which is crazy.
0: It's automatic. It, it really has been. And they, as I've said so many times, Jaden Daniels, he has just gotten whatever blade of grass he has wanted this year. And even if Nussmeyer plays in this one, there's definitely going to be a lot of people who are saying, well, I watched that SEC championship in the second half last year, and that guy can sling it. A fun team to bet the over on Marler, a, a prop, maybe a Logan
2: Diggs prop that, that you could be interested in. I, again, I if this if he ends up being the starter, I would jump on every single prop offered by by Garrett Nussmeyer. If, if it's at one and a half touchdowns, like, like like this, the offense. I understand that like the offense was a lot of key guys would be out of it if if they opt out, like with Malik Neighbors and. Um, Brian you know, Thomas Jr., like, yeah. Like with Jaden Daniels. Yeah, exactly. But and those are all potential first-round guys. I, but that I remember seeing this beforehand. And one of the reasons why so people were so high on LSU to start the season was not just with – it was really just Malik neighbors at the time. There's a lot of depth in that receiver room. There's a lot of talent in that receiver room. So just kind of like I mentioned with the, the Notre Dame thing, maybe this is a situation where you have a breakout game from a player that you're going to start hearing as a household name next year. That offense, I think, will travel. Um, I, I don't – I just Wisconsin just hasn't done much – Consistently this year to make me make me like them. I you you mentioned a good point here, Bob. Like if you can get them later on and closer to the game, and it's it's at six, take that. But you could also get some value on an alternate line, um getting up to near nine or ten.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's really hard to see LSU just coming out totally flat in this one. A group that is not necessarily stopped playing just because they were out of the national championship picture, and a team that showed up week after week, at least on the offense side of the ball, defensive oh. side of the ball, not so much.
2: We thought they were going to show up flat last year against Purdue in that, sure. in that bowl game because of all the off-field stuff that was going on at the time, and they came out and just absolutely destroyed Purdue.
0: Let's talk about the game that LSU was in last year, the Citrus Bowl. Let's talk about our last bowl game today, guys. We have made it to the very Five. end. Number 17, Iowa. Number 21, Tennessee. Tennessee's an 8.5-point favorite, which uh, I don't know how long it takes Iowa to get 8.5 <laughs> points, but it's a long time, wow. man. The Brian Ferentz swan song, it is here. Don't cry because it's over. Cry because it happened. Imagine having all of those incentives and having 32 fewer yards per game than any offense in America. It is truly a chef's kiss of horrible. Iowa has played 35 consecutive games without passing for 250 yards. That is hard to do in this day and age. So odds are against Deacon Hill to do that. Even against the Tennessee secondary, that's dealing with major depth issues. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Josh Heupel has never coached in a game in which the over under is 36 and a half points, <laughs> the lowest of full season. That is just Iowa through and through. Marler, you're a sicko if you're taking Iowa plus eight
2: and a half. Iowa is, is so bad to watch. It's like, it's so bad. It's fun. One time when I was in college, I rented Lake Placid 2, um, which was a, uh, I, I think, like a sci fi original. Um, sequel to the movie Lake Placid, which was not a hit in the first place. There's no reason to make a sequel. And it was awful. And I watched it over and over again. That's every Iowa fan in the country. Like it's every single game at 15 to 6, 12 to 10, 13 to 10. It's it's so bad. Um, I mean, you want to talk about two contrasting styles. I Awful, awful. Um, I do think that, that uh, Tennessee, the most interesting part of this for me, is, is Joe Milton going to play the entire 60 minutes?
0: Fair question. I... I think Josh Heupel's gonna try and do right by him, and they will leave him out there for at least three quarters, depending on what the score looks like. But if if he struggles early and they decide, you know what, Nico Yamaleava, still crushing the pronunciation of that one. If it's time for the Nico era to begin. Just something to keep in mind. I don't know that they want to throw him to the Wolves, though, against that Iowa defense. That's the one thing that I would probably push back on and say Joe Milton is probably a little better equipped at this stage of his career to handle that than, than having a true freshman out there.
2: Is he, uh, he yeah, I try to say something nice about Joe Milton. I, I I I just I love I love the idea that Joe Milton kept bragging in the offseason that he could throw the ball 90, 90 yards, which is like literally impossible for Iowa to do in any 60 minute football game. And it's it's just been again two contrasting styles.
0: Very true, Bob. Friends don't let friends take Iowa to cover. I can't let you sit here and tell me why Iowa plus eight and a half is the play. I I don't think I can unless you could talk. About
1: I that. have nothing for you. Uh, Tennessee <laughs> has been a pretty good front runner this year. They've been favored five times by greater than seven and a half points or four and one against the spread in those games. Iowa one and two when. Four Uh, an underdog of at least seven and a half points Iowa to nobody's surprise at all is the worst team in the country. When it comes to hitting the over, they were 11 and two to the under this season. I see no reason to do anything, but take the under in this game. I know that people are looking at this spread and going, or I'm sorry, looking at this total and going 36 and a half. My God, that's low. My reaction to this was my God, that's high. Uh, we've seen them with you know, totals of 26, 25 and a half. I mean, they played a game last month. And where hit. They would be, yes, hit the, and hit the under. I believe it was against Rutgers. It was the lowest total of all time. So, uh, and I believe that they played a 13-10 game against Nebraska. It's horrible.
2: Bob. It was it was the lowest of all time and then the yeah. next week Power. was even lower yeah. and then that you was can't the lowest set a total, total low
1: enough for iowa so 36 and a half is like stealing money give it to this might be my play of the the bowl season under
0: i i can't look I like at this point you, you just can't justify any of it any of it is this marler is this one of those like across the board we're just taking strictly unders we're taking unders for all these mm-hmm. iowa props no you're you're not taking Iowa no, over, I, I will you can't say, take Iowa over on passing yards I won't let you do that
2: no I would never what is it like <laughs> seven I'm not doing single that. digits um no I, I will say this I the thing that if you want Iowa to stick around if you're an Iowa fan <clears throat> I think the one thing that that could happen is you watch Joe Milton when things get kind of frustrating for him he doesn't seem to just kind of stay even keeled and like I haven't seen him say for 60 minutes within himself, I feel like, in, in, in games like that where he gets frustrated as a quarterback. Iowa is going to frustrate you because it makes zero sense while there's that many white kids in the secondary that are absolutely just locked on the entire time. It's ridiculous. Uh, but I'll say this. I think that the play here from outside of like the actual spread, um, and I don't have the the, the line on it yet because it's not out, but, but it's almost a system play for me this year. Tennessee, the score first. Uh, at one point this season, Tennessee had scored first in 27 of Josh Heupel's 33 career games. Um, they score first a lot, a lot. But when they're on script, they're very, very dangerous. And the other thing here is that Iowa sucks, so that probably will will stay the course.
0: Iowa's defense does not suck, that we know, but Tennessee with Josh Heupel, even in their their lean offensive times like this year has been they can score on the 85 bears on an opening drive. They absolutely can mm-hmm. scoring first. That seems, uh, very, very obvious. Gosh, if you're, it, if you go ahead, Marley, you got a, a thoughts on you. You're going to, you're going to talk yourself. Prop, don't talk yourself into a live bet
2: on Iowa taking the over. D- d- just don't do that. I, I can't. Well, I, I will tell you that right now that Iowa or Iowa 24 and a half, uh, what do you call it? Over under against Nebraska? I teased the blank out of that. I took, I took. I, they were two and a half point underdog, and I think Oklahoma was was favored by nine, so it was ten points. And all they had to do was cover cover 12 and a half total points. It was ridiculous. Um, I will say this: if you can get a prop on total field goals made in this game, and it's right around three, if it's two and a half, three and a half, I think that's a good bet too. Is there a punt prop? <laughs> it'll go. It'll fly over. It'll. I mean, for right. sure. Yeah, guys, that that'll do it. That is, uh,
0: that is a wrap. That was a lot of bowl games. Um, again, we're recording this. like This is this coming out mid-December, so it is before the the opening bowl game. So for some of those later bowl games with opt-outs and lines and stuff like that, those things are going to change, but hopefully it gave you a good baseline for how to approach um, a lot of these. We're going to be having these episodes every single week. That's the plan. We're going to next be previewing the non-playoff New Year's Six games. We're going to get to the New Year's Six games and then we're, or, or the playoff games rather, and then we'll preview the national championship. And we're going to give everybody gambling advice on how to be able to watch this game and sit there in your office when you have nothing else going on and you just want a piece of the action. That is what we are here to provide. A reminder, must be 21 years or older to gamble. Please gamble responsibly and within your limits. If you need assistance, please call 1-800-522-4700. That's one 800 Five two two four seven zero zero. That's betting the bulls. Thanks, guys. Do this again soon. Hey, sports fans! We've got an exciting offer exclusively for new users of ESPN Bet. When you join, be sure to enter the promo code South during sign up to unlock an additional fifty dollars in your betting account. That's right; you can wager on your favorite sports and receive up to two hundred fifty dollars in bonus bets when you use the promo code South. Please remember, you must be 21 years old to participate in sports betting. We encourage responsible gambling within your means. If you ever need assistance or support, please reach out to 1-800-522-4700. Join the action today and make the most of this fantastic offer.